Pride, this is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, the podcast where one pride goes worldwide. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick, I'm joined this evening by Ryan McCluskey and intermittently by Hank the Bulldog. Uh, this is the college football podcast, Champagne Supernova. Um, Ryan, this um, it doesn't seem a minute since this season started, we're about to go into week 10, you know, we're getting players suspended, we're seeing mascots suspended, the Heisman race is running up, we've had the first lot of college football playoff announcements. It's it's a crazy world at this moment in time in the world of college football. Yeah, it's it's come down to like the most important time of the season, like say but now either your season's already over or you're fighting for your life to get ball spot or you're trying to stay relevant and make a division. So, for most people right now, they're in that no-man's land where they've got nothing left to play for. But, yeah, first lot of college football playoff announcements. Literally a month, three weeks, will now decide what happens for the rest of the season. That's it. Yeah, and as per usual, they did not disappoint. The backlash on Twitter was something and a half, but it is every year. Some team always feels slighted and aggrieved. So we have a lot for you on the show today. We are going to go through the latest news in the college football world. There is a fair bit of it this week, so we're going to go through that. Then we are going to... um, we're going to go into the world of the FCS. Ryan's going to give the latest updates, what's going on down there in the second division of football. Then we are going to take a look at week nine. Going to review some of the fixtures there. Then we're going to take a look forward to week 10 as well. Going to have a look at the conferences and how they stand today as well. And maybe, just maybe, we'll chat a bit of Heisman as well. So we have a lot to go through. Just first welcoming people in the building. Ashes in the YouTube chat says, is that works? I can't watch. Hope you have a good show and go. Knowles, thank you always, Ash, for joining in. Grandizer is in the building. Welcome to you, sir, as always. He says he's listening to another show in the minute, but he's going to be with us soon. We will be here as always. And yeah, if you are watching us on Twitch, watching us on YouTube, you have any questions about the draft, about college football, players, positions, anything like that, you know, just drop them in the chat and we will get them in the show. Before we start off, just want to go through the usual housekeeping bits. Uh, Discord channel, Royal Lions UK Discord, if you want in on that, just let us know. We will send you a link. A lot of discussion going on there at the minute because it was uh, wasn't quite day for the Detroit Lions on trade deadline day, so a lot going on there at the moment. Main podcast will be back tomorrow. We will be doing our preview of the Green Bay Packers game this weekend. Hashtag FTP all over the building. Uh, don't forget to like and sub to all our channels, YouTube, Twitch, etc. Really does help us we're over 600 on youtube now we're over 100 on twitch we really appreciate it every single one of you will back us it means a lot to us and don't forget about lions nation unite you can find us on there as well that is herman moore's project 
content created by Detroit Lions fans for Detroit Lions fans. You will find some of the best Lions YouTubers on there. You'll find Dosa Dion, you'll find Lions on the Prowl, you'll find Orem's Forum with Mark Orem on there. He's a top watch. You'll find Micro Mike on there. You'll find Micro Michelle on there, as recently seen on one of his shows. So go and check them out. There's so many great people to go and listen to in regards to the Detroit Lions on there, as well as ourselves. That being said, let us get on with the news. A lot happening in college football week this week, Ryan. We uh, we lost another head coach last week, and the trend is continuing. We have lost another head coach this week, and we have our first position in the SEC open and available for business now as Auburn have parted ways with head coach Brian Harson after less than two seasons in charge. He was formerly a very successful head coach with Boise State, but he was never able to translate that success into the SEC. Open finished 6-7 and seven in year one under his tenure, which was their worst record posted since 2012. Then things really spiralled out of control in the offseason as over 20 players left the team at the end of the season, including starting quarterback Bo Nix, who is now playing in Oregon. As rumours swirled around about his management of the programme, it got really ugly. A lot of former players came out in support of him. Others just completely turned on him and threw him to the Wolves. But ultimately, Oban decided to keep him. But after an initial 2-0 start this season, they have since gone 1-5, including a two-touchdown defeat at home this weekend, just gone to Arkansas, and Oban have decided that they have seen enough. Harsin's predecessor, Gus Malzahn, fired just two seasons ago, was paid $21.7 million in his bio after they sacked him, and Harsin now is going to earn about Fifteen and a half million himself as he walks out the door as the expensive mistakes at head coach mount up for Auburn. Uh, I mean, this is not a great situation there, and this is a team who not long ago were playing in natties and now they are bottom feeding in the SEC. I mean, what the hell happens there? I don't know. I see a lot of people saying that it's an attractive job. And I understand it's the SEC and they've got fantastic world-class facilities, but they haven't got the players to back it up. Tanks Bigsby's about to enter the draft. Their quarterbacks right now are transfers like TJ Finley, who's proved that he's not capable of holding down the starting job. Is it Calzada, the backup? I think they've got season-ending injury. I, can't, I know one of them. I know you've got a season-ending injury. Robbie Ashford? Yeah. Yeah, like you said, these guys have cycled through in the last 18 months. And it's crazy because I'd say, me included, a lot of people like say we bashed on Knicks, but Auburn would kill to have him back right now. Like I say, Harsin, he got a good job. Like I say, he did wonders with the Boise State program. So when he got an SEC offer, he jumped it. And it's not gone well. Gus Malzahn has on, then gone to Central Florida and he's doing really well. So that's kind of ironic how they paid him that massive money and now he's succeeding with another program elsewhere. So I don't know where they go from here. People keep telling me that Auburn's bigger than Ole Miss and they can get Lane Kiffin. I think that's rubbish. Why Why would Lane Kiffin leave to go to Auburn when he's got players? He likes Oxford. The fans like him. I just can't see it. He wants to buy my job eventually, surely. So I can't see him using Auburn as a stopgap. So. And Deion Jackson 
another guy that could be linked with him, but I feel like he's probably not ready yet to make the jump. I could see him getting the job, but I'd question about him leaving Jackson State so soon. So very up in the air, but the person that takes the job has got to realise that the SEC is in flux. It's a real hard job. You've probably got to have a starting quarterback that you want to bring with you because there's not one currently on the team. And the recruiting classes going forward, I don't think, are very well either. So it's a brave person to take on this job. So the one I've seen that, for me, would make a lot of sense and the one who's getting linked to it is Hugh Freeze. Obviously, he left the SEC in disgrace and has been trying to rebuild his reputation at Liberty now for a few years. And, you know, he might not get the job offers from some of the more respected programs, the programs on the rise when their positions come up. So it kind of feels like that might be a match made in heaven. He has the experience there and they kind of don't have big pickings of guys who have SEC experience who are on the market at the minute. So I feel like that could be a possibility. Yeah. Only problem is he is like two and a half years into an eight-year deal, so it's going to cost him a fortune to buy out his contract as well. So whoever they want, unfortunately, is going to cost them money. So yeah, they're about sixty, seventy million in fire, and I think the last three head coaches now. Mm-hmm. And now, if they want Hugh Freeze, they're probably going to have to spend a few million to buy him out of his deal. So they're in a very unfortunate position. Yeah. I, I don't know who's going to take it because there's just not guys available. There's no one right now available. <laughs> No, and unfortunately, there's no one really in the G5 who's making a massive case to make such a big leap up. I mean, that's what they did last time, wasn't it? They hired from Boise State, no SEC connections, G5 school, it's just not translated. And you feel like they need to go with someone who knows the conference now. So, yeah. Brian Harsin back to Boise State in the future, book market. I can totally yeah. see that happening. Yeah, one of the reunions on the cards there. Oh, absolutely. If he's still, you know, if they're head coach position becomes available and he's still there. I think you can 100% book that one happening. Um, so yeah, Open looking for a head coach and weirdly enough this season, not one not one team has filled their vacancy yet. I think there's seven or eight vacancies at this point now, even back from week two when the firings happened and uh, nobody has been hired. So interesting. Maybe a lot of teams will wait until the end of the season, see if their interims work out. But I think it's the defensive coordinator who's taken over at Oban for the time being. So interesting to see what happens with them. Moving on. Ooh, Big Ten team in trouble this week, Ryan. In a lot of trouble for their actions off the field this week. Of course, we're talking about the Michigan State Spartans. They are in big trouble after several members of their team jumped Wolverines players in the tunnel after their game on Saturday. As of now, eight players have already been suspended and criminal prosecutions are expected to be sought as the number of suspended players is expected to rise. Like I say, it's eight so far. That includes star outside linebacker Jacoby Whitman, who for a lot of this season was leading the uh, leading the FBS in you know, categories like forced fumbles, tackles for loss, etc. He's a huge loss for them there. But this is a very ugly episode for the Spartans here. And something ideally they didn't need in a season that's going down the uh, going down the pan. But this could get nasty quick because Michigan players are claiming concussions. Lawyers are getting involved. You know, action has been threatened. Uh, very ugly scenes um, amongst these two on Saturday. Yeah, it's bad. And a week earlier against Penn State, you saw Pum was in the tunnel again, like you say. Like, it literally happened a week prior, didn't it? And people are saying that there's issues with how they have their setup, but 
We've all seen the videos. There's enough evidence out filming it and not trying to break it up. You see, clearly see a Michigan player with no helmet, no shoes, because he's just got socks on. Like I say, he apparently is injured anyway. He's using the tunnel to get back to the locker room. You say he's taken a helmet to the head, a helmet to the back. He's been punched to the face. And then someone pulls him out and he limps and further on into the tunnel. So he had no protection on him. He only he barely had pads on. Like he was not padded up for the game. Like I say he didn't have anything to protect him. And he just walked into a mountain of white. And whether people think he did something to provoke him or not, maybe he was. Maybe he did have an attitude. Maybe he was a bit chippy, but what happened next is just totally unacceptable. Like I said, he just ignore him. Like I said, you've had your ass energy on the field. If he comes in and if he says something to you, you've got to be bigger than that. And now this, the fans, the teammates that weren't involved, the coaches, it's all out of their hands now, like you say. Punishment's handed out and it's going to loss in front. Someone's going to, this is going to cost people teams. and Someone's going to lose their scholarship. Someone is going to be arrested and probably have to get uh, dismissed from the team because someone's probably going to get looking like a GBH or a battery. And the, the, the athletic director just won't like, continue to be on the team. So at least one high-profile name might have played his last snaps for the Spartans, unfortunately. It just sours what's a great rivalry and what was a pretty one-sided game as well. Yeah, um, it's like you said, it's so easy to get fall into that trap. You know, If you are provoked after something like that, then pride says you do something about it, but you've got to know better. You know, Mel Tucker's got to drill it into them to know better. He should have told them before the game there would be you know, provocation, and you have to stand above that and do it but. It's been a rotten season for them, and yeah, this is probably going to rumble on, so we may well talk about it in weeks to come as things progress, but yeah, this 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 doesn't end here. Eight suspensions and rising for the Michigan State Spartans, and what has been just a rough, rough old season for them. Um, John Ball's joined us in the chat, he says, just getting in from work, thank you, sir, thank you for uh, coming joining us, just as you're getting in from work, hope you are doing well, and thank you to everyone else who's joined us, a lot of people joining us a, now on YouTube and Twitch, so. There was another big deal. Dismissal this week as well. Say Billy Napier at Florida. Their Brenton Cox Jr. This one of their leaders was dismissed. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, cumulative errors, or like say a lack of attention, uh, being polite, turning up to meetings, being disruptive. This guy had eight and a half sacks last year. He had two and a half this year already, and about fifteen tackles lost off the past two years. He's 6'3", and he's about 115 kilos. People had him in their top 100 on draft boards this year. Now, he's declared to the draft yesterday, while also being dismissed. But people think it's stopped. But he's an intriguing player. But he was also dismissed in, from Georgia in 2018 because he was charged with possession of marijuana. So he's now been suspended and dismissed by basically from two Power 5 programs and that raises a lot of red flags. One, you can overlook, but two, serious maturity questions, unfortunately. And he's someone I really think could still be drafted. I'd still, he still intrigues me because now he's going to slide really far, but it, it's how much this is going to affect him. But yeah, Billy Napier just won't have any of it. Florida season struggling and now one of their best players on defense has had to, had to be sacked basically just 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 clear your locker out and don't come back so it's, a bad season for florida 
it, it just gets worse. It seems to happen with these struggling programs, doesn't it? You know, discipline goes out the window, the players start, you know, losing their heads, etc. It seems to be, it seems to be a common theme amongst some of these. But uh, I'm going to put ten dollars on him being a Dallas Cowboy in the next draft because the Cowboys love their problematic players coming out of school, so they're probably still going to spend high on him. But like I say, yeah, if if, if the talent falls and it's just the personnel issues, then um, it's it's intriguing to see who plumps on him and thinks they can fix him because you've seen a lot of examples of players coming out of college who can't have their attitudes fixed and you've seen some who kind of been ended up in draft steals. Um, John goes, how old is he? Is Do you know his age offhand? Is he still in his teens? Yes. He's in his early 20s. He was oh, in his, his early 20s. Oh, yeah, he'll Very be in his early 20s. Like say, yeah. he's, he's 22, 23, so that's why he's declared for the draft. He well, has to some eligibility, but I think he's literally just far gone it because who's going to pick him up? I don't think he was going to get. I don't think he was going to find a school where he'd get good tape and play for a year. He no. didn't want to transfer because I think he could have had to sit. I think NCAA may have put him on a had to make him wait. If you dismiss from a program, I don't think he can transfer to another automatically. So he yeah. basically he's had to retire him. Oh dear, yeah, well, like I say, it's going to be intriguing to see what happens in regards to the draft prospects now, but yeah, it's a shame, and you know, when you're in your 20s, you expect them to start knowing a little better. Micro Mike is in the building, says, what up fellas, Ryan and Ant-Man doing great, hey Mike, we really appreciate you, hope you are doing really well today. Um, Right, more news, more suspensions, (laughs) we've had Michigan State suspensions, we've had Florida suspensions, now we've had tree suspensions. And you must be thinking, Anthony, what the hell are you on about here? Well, um, Stanford, they have gone and they have gone ahead and handed out the weirdest suspension so far this season to a tree. So yes, the Stanford tree, who is the team's mascot, has been suspended from games this season for unfurling a banner at halftime during the game against Arizona State, which read, Stanford hates fun. An attack against the university's policies of cracking down on student parties and get-togethers as the university runs its first full year without COVID protocols. So they've been really strict when it comes to gatherings of students and parties, etc. Apparently, by this time last year, there have been like 180 parties organised once on campus. Up to this point, there's been about 45 this season. That's how far it has gone down. And the students have been hitting back on this. The tree sided with them. He is apparently pro fun and socializing and as a result of his actions he has been suspended for his stance it was him and the arizona state mascot who unfilled this big banner on the side of the pitch so the previous tree number 43 this has been 44 guys who've been mascot he's temporarily going to come out of retirement to hold down the fort while number 44 is suspended i mean (laughs) you're a lot lost to this rabble a few weeks ago ryan but a very intriguing story going on here at Stanford. The students are not happy, not just with the football, but with the rules on campus regarding get-togethers and that. And uh, even the trees are suffering now. Well, I know why they've waited till Arizona State game, because most people know Arizona State is one of the biggest party schools in the whole nation. It's literally one big piss-up. That's why, <laughs> that's why well, Rob Konkowski went to Arizona. Arizona and Arizona State are party schools. And if anyone's seen the Stanford mascot, it's absolutely terrifying. 
It's an awful mascot. It, it looks so scary. I am glad he's been suspended. Like, he just done what right there. I think it's interesting. It, it's odd to just get someone else to put on the suit. If you're going to suspend it, just suspend it properly. Why replace the student in the costume? It just yeah. doesn't send the right message, does it? Just no. don't have the mascot. So it's stupid, really. But yeah. It's, it's been ever so. There's been this whole fallout afterwards where, you know, the social media's been doing this wonderful thing about how trees are barricading the campus and everything. And, oh, it's, it's been hilarious. Go and see it. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been really funny. Um, Nine Drinks is in the chat. He says, uh, hashtag FGB. We know that uh, the F means fuck and Green Bay is Green Bay. Lions beat the Packers Sunday. Love the optimism. Hopefully, I'll be able to get some of that up for tomorrow's show. But thank you for joining us as always ways right now on to uh from the light-hearted to the more serious here i mean i feel like injury wise in college football this year we've, we've gotten away with us compared to last year a lot of injuries happen but this year doesn't seem to have been bad especially in regards to the draft class coming up but we are getting to the stage in the season now where injuries are starting to happen which are going to have an effect on the draft and there were two particular injuries this week which um come really at the wrong time for the players involved. So first off, Georgia edge rusher Nolan Smith has been ruled out for the season with a torn pectoral muscle. He has had chatter as a potential top 10 pick, but at worst, a first round pick overall. This injury comes at a really bad time for him. Torn pecs at their worst can keep you sidelined for eight months. It's usually four as a minimum, depending on your recovery time afterwards. So that will schedule him to be fit for right around pro day time. So he may potentially get a chance to show off for scouts, but it's going to be very late in the process, like Drake London was last season. And another potential first rounder is also done for the season. Syracuse cornerback Garrett Williams loved by quite a lot in our Discord chat was people are looking for a new cornerback next year. He's considered by many to be the best coverage cornerback in the 2023 class. He has torn his ACL, so he is likely done until after the draft and potentially the start of his rookie season. He will get no chance to impress scouts on the off-season circuit. He will not be fit for that. This is um, this is a cruel blow to two players who were harboring aspirations of been picked the first round next year and as a result of these injuries they they could very well not now i think nolan smith i i don't think it affects nolan smith's draft stock to be fair we've seen the best of him we've seen that elite defense last year one of the best in history and as you mentioned the recovery time isn't too bad and it shouldn't really affect him when he comes back from it like so usually it's an injury you probably always fully recover from mm. but so i, I him probably still to stay in the first, but for Garrett Williams, he's probably going from the second round to maybe the fourth round now. Like that, that's a disaster. We've seen, look, we've just seen a guy, a cornerback that wants to play press and man in our own, have a severe knee injury, and look how long it took to rehab, and how much it affected the back pedal, how much you lose trust and faith in your own game mentally. That's a disaster. And so for one of their top five cornerbacks in the class. That's really going to hurt him. And like I said, Georgia, it really hurts Georgia's title hopes. It's probably sad that now he won't get a chance to win a ring. That's probably the biggest thing for him. But Syracuse are having a great year as well. But now, like I say, you miss the pro day, you miss the combine, you might not even be healed for your rookie first few months of the season. You might not see a, you might not even see the field in your rookie year. Like I say, 
I remember Caleb Farley, he had severe injuries. Yeah. And he really was a non-factor in his rookie season. So, yeah, it's bad for 2022 and 2023. But, yeah, I, I feel like you, I agree. We've been pretty lucky so far. Not many high-profile names have had season any injuries. But hopefully this isn't going to be a start of a slew of them. No, I mean, we literally had a segment last year on the show named the injury corner because there were that many injuries. It, it became a segment to talk about them. But so far this year, it's been relatively quiet. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, a lot of these draft picks, potential first, can stay healthy and, and boost their stock coming into this last part of the season because there ain't long to go now. One month and the majority of this is done and you're in bowl season. So, you know, well, the championship season at least. So, hopefully, things stay as they are. Uh, John Ball says, uh, great looking dog he's uh, that's Hank so yeah I'm sure he'll appreciate the compliment there uh, Jared Port in the chat's gone they're both hurt I think we know what the Lions first two picks will be laughing face yeah don't, don't even joke about that Jared because it actually could happen and I, I'd be terrified if it did um, so yeah um were were we the last bit of news? Also, um, CJ Donaldson, the West Virginia running back, is also done for the season. He's got eight rushing touchdowns so far. He's been really good for the Hilltoppers. It's not really a draft one, but that was just a personal favourite player of mine I've seen this year. That West Virginia offence has been good with him, and it is a shame that he is going to miss the rest of this year. Now, uh, right, finishing off the news... Maybe finishing off the news. The college football playoff rankings are out for the first time, Ryan. And as always, they elicit a lot of strong reactions from teams of certain fan bases. And um, this year is no different to the rest. However, I think for the first time in the history of this thing, you know, the committee have done one thing right. At number one, right at the top of the pile, Tennessee... 8-0 on the season. The big win over Alabama. This is the right call to have Tennessee at the top of those rankings. Yeah. Like I said, the big win against Alabama and then taking down Kentucky, who can still be dangerous and affect you. There was no danger of them losing that game. They won that comfortably. And they were still ranked like 15 at the time last week. So I feel like this is the right call. Like I said, people are like, oh, well, how can you be number one? And you're like, a seven point underdog this week like that's because of who they're playing and the bias and home field advantage that's not because they're going to get destroyed or even like they can't compete but yeah it's good to see like i said i don't have i've only got issue with like two or three things in the whole top 25 and yeah usually last year i went mental last yeah. year i remember <laughs> I went mad. oregon yeah oregon, I went three loss you like Three yeah, lost Oregon were in there. Uh, it was terrible. Um, as for the rest of the top four, so you've got Ohio State 2, Georgia 3, Clemson coming at four over Michigan now. Michigan fans are really upset about this, but I think you have to say, on the whole, Clemson have played slightly better teams this year. So this, this one feels like it, it is correct. It's not a slight on Michigan, but I do feel like Clemson have played tougher opposition. And yes, they've there's been quite a few games they've struggled in and struggled to win, but I think that represents the competition they've been up against as opposed to Michigan. Now, not knocking them again, but Penn State's the best win on the schedule so far, and that Penn State side have been meh these last few weeks when, when traveling. I, I feel like that's correct. Well, I'm knocking Michigan. Three words, strength of schedule. You picked a cakewalk for five weeks. The college football playoffs, what they're different to their people is they take into account strength of schedule mm. and the other polls don't. Michigan played a bunch of pussies for four weeks 
and they steamrolled them. Mm. Yeah, they got to Penn State and they won well and they look fine, but their schedule is just so inflated. Like I, said, I agree. My, I think Michigan would batter Clemson mm. and I think it would roll over them, but so far their schedule has been really easy and Clemson would have been unbeat. Clemson would have happily walked through Michigan's schedule too with a good chance. Exactly. And, and if it wasn't going to happen this week, I mean, you look at this week's fixtures, Clemson play Notre Dame, Michigan play Rutgers. There's no question there which is the bigger win out of those two if one of them wins. And going to South Bend is a lot harder than playing Rutgers. Oh, Rutgers, yeah. Rutgers lost about 40-0 last week, I think. Mm. They got destroyed. Mm. And like we were saying in Discord yesterday, do not overlook Notre Dame. If there's any Clemson fans out there, do not just assume this is no, not like win. No. Because this is, a, this is the last hard game on your schedule. You cannot afford to balls it up. And Notre Dame show up when you least expect them to this season. That's, got the, that's the thing. No, no. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of Michigan fans supporting Notre Dame this week, which is rare. You're probably going to see a lot of Ohio State fans supporting Michigan this week. Because I think the way this looks, I think a one-loss Big Ten team can't make the playoffs this year. For me, if Clemson are undefeated. Yeah. I see. A one-loss Big Ten team... Probably trumps an undefeated Big Twelve team, but mm. they don't un- they don't unseat a not with uh, a twelve Clemson. Clemson. No, no, and that and that's going to be the trouble they have there. So, I mean, subject John Ball goes. I love Tennessee. Clemson is overrated. I agree. Think Clemson are overrated. Um, he goes. It makes no sense. Why did Ohio State say second? They got their butts kicked first off. I mean, they were all bad. Georgia were bad last week. Ohio State were bad last week. Michigan weren't great beating them. Tennessee were the only good team in the top four this week. So I'm glad they've been accepted as such. I think it's just a coin toss between the rest. So yeah, you've got um, Michigan there eight and zero at five. Then you've got Bama at seven and one at six. Then you've got TCU. 8-0 on the season at 7, ranked beneath them, despite the fact that TCU have the most wins of anybody in the FBS over top 25 ranked teams this season. They they have the most, and they're still below Alabama. In TCU's case, is this going to be a case where they've got to hope that, I mean, Georgia and Tennessee play one another this week, so someone's going to lose there. Someone's going to lose out of Ohio State and Michigan. But I think this is going to be a case of they will need to be the only undefeated team in the country come the season's end if they want to get in. Yeah, TCU's fate is not in their own hands. They need help. They need each. One of of the commissioners came out and said yesterday that TCU did not make the top four because they conceded too many points. That was basically their exact wording. Hmm. Their defence has to get bailed out by their offense every week and they're not balanced. So if TCU go 12-0, and but they win their last four games, like 40-35, yeah. they will not get in because they're just dead now. They're going to use it against them. They want to use it against them to keep them out. I just I feel like this bias. Because Alabama, Alabama barely beat Texas, barely beat Texas A&M, got smoked by Tennessee, yet they're up there. It's like they're... Defense has been bailing their offense out in weeks. It, it kind of feels like the opposite situation. I mean, and then you look at like LSU ranked tenth when they shouldn't be. Texas, the only three-loss team in the top twenty-five, that bigs up Alabama's resume. 
having those teams in there that they've beaten and then they've sort of inflated the positions they've got them because it's, it's Alabama LSU this week so the committee are then going to go if Alabama win oh they beat a top 10 ranked LSU side when they shouldn't be there it, it feels like there is a little bit of Bama bias in there this year if LSU win surely they're going to have to put LSU in yeah. the top 5 oh god if LSU yeah. have to take Alabama's spot but will they? will they leapfrog Alabama if they beat them? I don't know, because the committee just loves certain teams. Yeah, I think the committee's backed themselves into a corner, because this is at the Bayou, so, you know, this isn't at home for Alabama, and, and they went to Tennessee and lost, and, you know, they could go to LSU and and lose as well. I hope they do, because then I'd love to see what happens with the committee next week, because they're going to have to... Their, their playoff dreams, they can't go in with two losses, not with so many teams undefeated, and... I kind of rooting for T- TCU at this point, so I want a lot of these teams to take off from one another. John Ball goes, TCU is better than Clemson. Look who they played. I mean, yeah, TCU played. They beat more ranked 25 opponents than anyone else, so I think it will be close. You've got TCU offense against the Clemson defense. That's that's where it's going to be won and lost, but they would certainly hold their own about it. Jared goes, don't worry about Alabama. They're going to lose to LSU. I can see it happening. I feel like the gods won't let that happen because I feel like Nick Saban controls the gods, but we can hope. Um, a few others in here, maybe Old Miss 11th, UCLA 12th. I mean, Oregon and USC, they are 8th and 9th respectively, both one lost Pac-12 teams. I mean, can they get in even if they win out, do you reckon? Is, is the Pac-12 prospect there to be had? No, no chance. Even though, you could, unless you're 12 and 0 every year, the Pac-12 doesn't stand a chance. No. USC, people love them, but they're just not good enough. Like yeah. I said, I, and also, we saw what Georgia did to Oregon on day one. Yeah. Like even if Oregon win out, they can just use that result against them. Yeah, 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 yeah. that is true. That Georgia loss is going to hurt them in the long run, Oregon. So, yeah, it's not great. Um, John Ball goes, I think even though Hooker is older, has more games than any at QB, I think he could be a starter day one, wouldn't need a lot of prep. I'm going to say this now. How much younger is Will Levis than Hendon Hooker a year? I think it's just About a year, isn't months. it? Then, yeah, everyone's happy to have Will Levis. Will Levis is not much younger than Hendon He's Hooker. He's 24. Exactly. This is an old... Will Levis, this is Hooker's a, 25, but by the time the draft comes, Levis will be nearly 25. Yeah. He's basically the same age. Exactly. But people like to... People like to pick and choose things like that and overlook that. Yeah, so if, if you are a fan of Hendon Hooker and then you see people saying Will Levis instead and they quote age, there is no difference between Hooker and Levis in age in the grand scheme of things. It is very small gap between them. Nydrix goes, Hooker could be the next Allen. Hey, maybe he could. He's going to have a chance to prove it this week. We're going to talk about it later, but this is a possible career-defining weekend for Hendon Hooker. So... Gonna be real interesting to see what he does. Um, right at the end, who's sneaking? UCF snuck in at 25. Um, Texas are in there at 24. Oregon State six and two. North Carolina State six and two. Wake Forest somehow in there at six and two, despite their battering this weekend. Then you got Syracuse, Tulane, Oklahoma State, UNC, Illinois. Well deserved. They're seven and one. So you know what? Like you said. Not much to complain at this week, which is a rarity for this. Yeah, Texas. I'd take Texas out. The AP poll has Liberty and at twenty-three yeah. instead of Texas and Wake Forest. After what happened last weekend, they're not legit. They're six and two, but 
I think there's probably another team out there at six and two that's probably got a better record to be there. Yeah, what one hundred percent? I agree with it, but you know, again, I'm not going to complain. It's at the top where it matters, so um, they've got that right this week, and going to be interesting to see what happens next week because potentially some of those teams up there will have another loss on their record as the week goes by. Right, that is everything really for the news today. Let us move it on and we're going to start as we always do. I'm going to hand it over to Ryan. It's been a couple of weeks since we last dropped in on the FCS. Obviously the Football Championships of Division, the, confer- the conference is just below the FBS. Last time we were in South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits had just toppled their big rivals, North Dakota, to take control of the divisions down there. Ryan, what has happened in the uh, the weekends since then? Well, a lot has happened actually. So the Montana Grizzlies, who started the season 5-0, and were three in the nation, and now on a three-game losing skid. And they're at a big risk of missing the playoffs. They are down to sixth place in the big sky. They've still got to play Montana State, who are in the top four. And the Grizz, who have been playoff setters in the last few years, they've made the playoffs fairly comfortably. They need some help. They are looking like they're going to miss the postseason this year. There's only three games left of the season, and one of them is Montana State. So they can't win the big sky. They're going to struggle to finish above third. And their playoffs are really at risk after starting the season so well. But I think they lost their starting quarterback a few weeks ago. So that has really hurt them. But they've taken some huge losses. This weekend, lost to Weber State. And that has probably derailed the season now, unfortunately. The, the game of the week and the play of the week go hand in hand. So Holy Cross, they beat Fordham 53-52. They used that trick play reverse two-point conversion in two overtime to get the win. And this game was ridiculous. 144 offensive players, 55 first downs, 170 yards in penalties, 1,100 yards of offense combined. They, uh, Matthew Sluka, the Hall across quarterback, 15 of 23 for 291 yards and four touchdowns and 24 carries for 174 yards and one touchdown. He accounted for like 400 of their 600 yards on the day, but they were almost upset. So the Patriots, let's say the Holy Cross Crusaders, stay unbeaten. They stay seventh in the nation at 8 0. They're basically wrapping up the Patriots League for the fourth year in a row, and that was a wild game. Three teams scored 60 points this week. It was an all out slugfest. Another three scored 50. It was just one of those weeks for just. Shellackins. It was just one of those weeks where everyone got stuffed and it was ugly. Three quarterbacks through five touchdowns, so picking the player of the week was very hard. Uh, in the playoff, in the rankings, big shake-up. So Richmond, now 14th, up six. Southeast Missouri State, down to 20th, a down six. So two teams that jumped up massively. In uh, I think now Montana are like 11th now, so they've lost 11 places over three losses. And Montana State, South Dakota State, and Sacramento State, they have locked up the top three places in the rankings for the last few weeks now. It's those three against the world, I feel like. I feel like the national champions come from one of those three teams. They are consistently jostling per position. New to the rankings are Furman, Elon, and St. Tom of Minnesota. And there's only four unbeaten teams left in the top five. Got Sacramento State, 
Jackson State, Holy Cross, all 8 and 0. And then the Princeton, the Tigers, have come in now at 7 and 0. So just for someone, you're going to have to lose their unbeaten streak. But three of those teams, Sack, Jackson, Holy Cross, have been unbeaten and been in the top 25 now every week of the season. All nine weeks they've been there and been unbeaten. So it's going to be seeing who, who loses first. Excellent stuff. Yeah, it's, it yeah. seems to be it seems to be coming up to a climax, doesn't it? Who, who have you got your money on at this yeah. point? I I think Sacramento State, they've got high-powered offense. Like I said, they took down Montana already in a big matchup when they were ranked like third and fifth. I feel like they're one of the sneaky outsiders that could probably go all the way and potentially meet Sacramento State. But yeah, the brackets are set. I'm pretty sure at least one of these teams can confirm a playoff spot next week. They've only got three games left in the FCS for most teams now, so the brackets will start to be filled in the next two weeks. But yeah, some big hitters are not going to make it. Sam Houston State, they are not relevant this year. They've struggled. North Dakota State, doing all right, but not in the top three. Had the big loss to say, yeah, State, yeah. So yeah, Montana, so, and like I say, JMU. Uh, now not there, so that gives a chance for someone else to take the spotlight. So, yeah, Montana State last year were the, the, the sneaky team at the eighth spot that made it all the way to the final and lost. They've come on leaps and bounds. Like I said, they've locked up a top three ranking most of the season now, so it was not a fluke. No, not at all. Um, yeah, excellent stuff. So stay tuned. Like you say, the playoffs are going to start taking shape in the SCS very soon. So check in with us next week to see uh, to see how that is going. All right, we are going to move on to the week nine review. Can't believe we are through nine weeks already in the college season. As always, or you know, we normally do. We're going to start off with the uh, the fashion side of things first. Ryan likes to keep an eye on the uh, the uniform aspirations of some of these teams Ryan who was uh, who was looking fly this week and who was uh, who was looking false well I think everyone knows that Tennessee mm. it's not two colours usually put together all black and orange it's not something you usually see but it looked good they played well, well and it's better than the grey some people really don't like the orange and grey the black's a nice touch like to their midnight colours so I, I really did enjoy that Oh, I, they were beauts, weren't they? I, I, I found them absolutely unbelievable. I, I would take that uniform if I could get my hands on that. I absolutely would. Thought thought it was absolutely bang on there. Any that didn't catch your attention for a good reason this week? Also, Oregon. Oregon went back to normal. They yeah. had their white. The whites and greens where it's just classic. It's just crisp. It's just... It's nice and plain. It's nothing too in your face. So I like in Oregon, just keep it simple. They're some of their best uniforms. I think they're bringing the Oreo back soon as well, aren't they? And I love the Oreo. Yeah, the, I Oreo, love the Oreo. I think the Oreo. I think it's either next week or the week after that the yeah. Oreo will back. I think it's like November 11th. Yeah. I do love that uniform. I do. I do. I love that. I know. I know. The one coming up this week I'm looking forward to seeing is the Mean Greens. North Texas, that lime green and white just looks... Mwah. Their helmets look fly as so. I'm looking forward to seeing that. John Ball goes, Lions should start wearing goodwill uniforms. The Lions need to just update their uniforms. They're terrible. They're really bad. We really need to get something going with the Lions and their uniforms there. Um, right, so let's move on to the games. Going to talk about the uh, some of the pick-watch fixtures first. And 
as the rules always imply, you get your name into the title of the college pod you get talked about first. This week, Champagne Supernova, we're of course going to drop in on the Illinois fighting Illini of Champagne. They continue to defy all the odds this season with the best defense in the nation. It is now official. Georgia's performance at the weekend put them below it. Illinois traveled to Nebraska and really beat them quite comfortably. It finished Illinois 26, Nebraska 9. And this defense, man, I tell you, it is something else. So some of the stats out of this game here. Nebraska, their third down success rate, 15%. Their red zone success rate, 25%. Both some of the lowest percentiles you can get. Illinois side, 43% defensive run stuff rate. That is 92nd percentile. 22% havoc rate. That is 96th percentile. They had 7 tackles for loss and 2 sacks on just 49 offensive snaps for Nebraska. 3 interceptions. Forced fumble. Fumble recovery. Um, I mean... This is the best defense in the nation, Ryan, and it is playing like the best defense in the nation. Trey Palmer is one of the best yardage receivers in the entirety of college football. And Devin Witherspoon, who I talked about last week, I'm saying he's the best man coverage corner in the coming draft, locked him down like it was no one's business. And this Illinois defense just, it stopped so many drives. Sidney Brown, two interceptions on the day. Jatavius Martin had an interception as well. Um, they got sacked. They just made life thoroughly miserable for Nebraska. They had a stop rate of 50%. And at the end of the day, this Nebraska offense, which is good, even though the team is not, Illinois absolutely suffocated it. And there are going to be a lot of draft prospects coming out of this unit. Yeah. It's the highest scoring in the nation. So it's not the fact they just get turnovers as well. It's turning turnovers into points. There's no point winning the ball back if you don't do anything with it. But this team is able to take the ball away and then build from leads on it. And it helps an offence that is decent. Like I said, Tommy DeVito, their uh, transfer from Syracuse. I think he's the old Cuse quarterback. Like yeah. I say, he's done a good job. He's, a, he's experienced. He's a veteran guy. Leads a good offence. And then that ground game that has just been chugging, just been eating up every week. And this is probably one of the best balanced teams in the nation right now. Like I said, they've got an offense that can get it done when it wants to, especially on the ground. And then that defense just stifles offenses. As you say, in Nebraska, Casey Thompson, it's not a bad offense. Like I said, they've got some good playmakers there, but it was they, they just got bottled up. They got shut down. And in the end, it, it was a very comfortable win in the end. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at through some of the stats here. So they've played eight games so far. They've only given up six touchdowns, five extra points, and ten field goals. I mean, that's barely more than one field goal per game. It's less than one touchdown per game. I mean, you've got some real bona fide playmakers here. I mean, like I say, you've got Devin Witherspoon in there. You've got guys on that defensive line who just make life hell. They stuff the run really well. They, I mean, it, it's fair play to them. I don't think anyone really saw this coming this year. I said the defense was alright last year. I mean, we drafted one of the DBs, Kirby Joseph, but they've really taken a leap forward this year. The offense is okay. It's bog standard, run-of-the-mill Big Ten, but when you've got the best defense in the nation, 
And when you've got the best running back in the nation by yardage, I think Chase Brown's at nearly 1,300 yards on the season already. He looked damn good. I mean, just those factors coming together make for something you know special, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, because this team in the past has probably had to win, score 30, 35 points to win most games. Right now, they're only needing to score 20 to 24, and that's weekly to get yeah. the job done. Like I said, they're, they're lowering the bar that the offence has got to achieve by stifling other teams. And then a ground game that's able to, one, pick up big splash players, but two, rinse clock. If you can take away the ball and run the ball, time of possession is very elapsed. It'll be very one-sided. And without even looking, they had most of the ball in that game against Nebraska. Time of possession, very lopsided. And that is a key to winning games. You just need to hold the ball longer than your opponent and you limit what they can do. And so far, that has been a very good winning recipe this year. And they're going to get a good ball game at this rate. Mm. Like I say, a better one they've had for many years anyway. Well, 7-1 currently, so you know you could potentially be looking at a 10-win season really there for them. I mean, Jared makes a comment in the chat. He goes, is the Illinois D really that good? Could they hold their own against the top SEC teams? The answer is probably no. But I feel like that would be more to do with the offense would not be able to stay on the field for a concerted amount of time, and you know when time of possession goes against you, any defense can do it. I think they, I think they'd hold their own. I honestly do. I mean, you look at Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker slices secondaries. The Illinois secondary is very good, but I mean. You know, you look at who they've gone against this year. So, they played Virginia early in the season when Brennan Armstrong was meant to be in his good run of form there. Brennan Armstrong was a very good quarterback one time or another. And that Virginia offense is nothing to sniff at. They've played Wisconsin, who've got Braylon Allen, who's one of the best running backs in the country. You've got played Minnesota, who've got Mohamed Ibrahim, one of the best running backs in the country. You've played Nebraska. Trey Palmer is one of the best yardage receivers in college football. And as I said, they're no slouch. They've got Anthony Grant. They've got Casey Thompson. You know, despite being a bad team, it's an offense that put up points. And every time they've been tested, they've shown through. So I'd like to think they probably would hold their own against better opposition. But it would be the offense that would ultimately let them down, wouldn't it? Yeah, right. They could go A&M and uh, Mississippi State. I think they could certainly hold their own. I think they'd, I think they'd drag A&M and Mississippi State probably into a slugfest that they wouldn't want to be in. Oh, but yeah. if you're talking like Ole Miss, no. They, their defence might get stopped, but their offence won't score against an SC defence. So, as you say, they just would not be able to keep the ball long enough or score enough points. Yeah, yeah. Like they could take the ball away and they could stifle an Ole Miss, but once the floodgates open... It would be game over. But Vanderbilt, they could smoke someone like Vanderbilt. Oh yeah, absolutely. They they could I reckon they'd go up against they go up against the Opens, the Mizus. They 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 do really well against them, I reckon, this year. Like I say, you've got the running back, you've got what you need, so if if you can get teams with bad offences in games, then they've got every chance against them. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Randall Cooks joined the chat. He says, Sup, fellas. Sup to you. Thank you uh, for joining us this evening. Uh, Jared goes, I feel if Illinois played Tennessee, they'd give up 35-plus. To be honest, I think every team in the nation would give up 35-plus to Tennessee. I don't think that's limited to... Alabama gave up 50. I'm interested to see how many Georgia give up this week. I don't think there's really many defences that can that have an answer to this Tennessee offense this year. Right, we'll move it on. We'll have a chat. Pac-12 action next. Utah at Washington State. 
Utah burned us again, Ryan. We both chose state for this one, and I feel somewhat responsible because of my constant louding of uh, Cameron Ward, etc. But um, Utah snagged this one in a very, very close game. It was 21-17 to to Utah at the end of the day. I mean... It was it was a fairly competitive game. This was one for the defensive guys, though. I mean, Washington threatened a comeback right at the end. They got 10 points in the fourth quarter. Cameron Ward had a decent day. It's just this Washington State offense doesn't have a running back worth a damn, which doesn't really help your signal caller just as he's coming out of the FCS. Um, obviously, Utah were without Cam Rising. Bryson Barnes came in, played well, looked pretty decent, but... It, it, it was kind of the run game that separated these two teams here, whilst both defences, on the whole, would probably be quite happy with their day's work. Yeah, like I say, Tavion Thomas actually has been very productive this year. You don't hear many people talk, talking about him, but the Utah running back has actually had a quietly very good year. He's someone that's definitely intriguing, especially, like I say, once he declares, hits the draft next year or two. But, yeah, when I saw Cam Rising one play, and I like, this Washington State defense can definitely hang with Utah, so I think they'll be definitely disappointed with themselves that on short notice the backup came in and still managed to get the win. That's kind of frustrating for them, but it was one of those games. You know, like, it was a trap game for Utah. Utah didn't want to slip up. They were understaffed, so they'll just be glad to get that one out of the way, but Washington State, Washington State have been very up and down. Mm. Like I said, one week the defense is really good. One week Cameron Ward lights it up. It just never seems to happen in the same game, and we know that all too well. Otherwise, they could put away a big side or pick up a big high-profile win, but yeah, it's just been a very average season for Washington State. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're kind of just one of those, you, you don't know what they're going to get. Like they've been away to Wisconsin and won, and then they've lost games that you would expect them to have off chance. And I feel like they've been much better outside the Pac-12 than they have within it this year. Maybe they should have some more out-of-conference games next season. But, um, yeah, fairly decent game. Like I say, defensively, they will be really happy. Neither team was averaging more than five yards per play on it, on offense, so defensive coordinator at the college level will take that any day of the week. Right, let's move on to the Big Ten now. Let's, let's, let's chat about it. The Michigan State Spartans, the Michigan Wolverines... Um, we wonder, you know, Michigan State have had this habit in the last few years, really, of upsetting the Wolverines when they've looked overall probably like the better side. But um, this was just not the case in this one. This was Michigan's really from the very, the very start in this game. They. They just play this really suffocating style of football where they run the ball down their throat, they batter your defensive linemen, then they air it out when they need to, and then when you come on the field again, they just they just sort of batter you into submission. You kind of feel like it's the kind of team Dan Campbell wants to create with the Lions, the one that just comes out smash mouth, ain't pretty, but they don't care, they get results, and um, the Spartans just did not have the backbone for this one. The running game is just... Kenneth Walker has missed something chronically there. Jalen Berger has just never looked like the guy apart from that one game that he had this season where he went for a couple of touchdowns. But that really was it. They they, they, they can't replace him. They I think, what was it? Elijah Collins was the best. He had seven carries, 22 yards, 3.1 yards per carry. Jalen Berger, 9 for 17, 1.9 yards per carry. That, that That's Michigan State season. Can't run the ball bad situations and Peyton Thorne has been shown that he can't dig him out of it as a quarterback. 
No, like you say, secondary as well. Dyer is mm. dire. It's one of the worst secondaries probably up there in part five. He gives up the big players. He did last year though, didn't he? I said the secondary yeah. has always been a problem. They just do not recruit defensive backs. And you reap what you saw. Like you said, this year did not replace Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker took all the offense with him to the uh, the NFL. People, I, I find it hard to believe that any Michigan State fan, just because they've won like the last seven of the ten, actually thought they stood a chance. Mm. I did not see any, any weapon that could have hurt Michigan. And as you say, ugly game. Michigan won't care. Like I say, they went out there, they made it ugly, they made it great. Like I say, they got stops when they had to. Like I say, they uh, chewed clock when they had to. It was physical, it was rough. Harbaugh will be super happy with the performance. Michigan State were never in the game whatsoever. It always felt like they just did not have enough and could not match them across the field. And I feel like the tide has suddenly turned again. Going into next year as well, I look like Michigan State going to lose decommits. Hmm. Mel Tucker, people are asking serious questions about him after that extension. This is not how you want to repay your athletic director with a performance like this. And then, after the game, to then go shoot yourselves in the foot, just an absolute clusterfuck. But yeah, Michigan handled business. I was impressed. I think I saw that they lost their only running back they had committed to their class next season. They, they threw deep commit. I think he was a four-star guy yeah, they had. Stars gone. Yeah. And he's the only running back they had committed to that franchise next season. And he's gone. So they are really screwed at running back unless they can get something out of the portal. I mean, they could pull a wizard out. Of, you know, They could pull something out of a wizard's hat and get Braylon Allen in from Wisconsin. But they'll never do that. Braylon Allen will want to go higher than that. So um, it's, it's a really weird one. But, you know, we'll speak about Michigan a bit more. There, there are issues there with Michigan. Like we said, all the top four teams... Barring Tennessee, looked bad last last week. Even even in victory, they looked bad. Um, and John Ball summed it here. He goes, "The problem with Michigan is the red zone. The play calling has me scratching my head. Like they changed the calls that got them to the red zone." I said this between the twenty and the twenty, they look unbetter. They look, you know, you can't hang with them. But when you put them in the twenty, it's almost like Matt Patricia starts calling plays for them. That. That they need to fix if they want to go further than they did last year. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to upset you, Michigan fans. Now, JJ McCarthy is light years ahead of Kevin Namara, but is JJ McCarthy a good enough QB to win you a national title? I'm sorry, he's not. I say, I still think they've got to upgrade. I say, because Blake Corum next year is gone. You have to accept that. And very Michigan next year could be Michigan State now. When that run offense leaves, if they don't replace him, what happens then? I think, in fairness to JJ, I'd say he's only really been a starter for half a season, so maybe it'll all iron out in time. With you need him. to get him some receivers. Yeah, right, some weapons. Right now, where he's at, you can't ask him to win a football game for you if Blake Corum ain't running the ball well. It's no disrespect to JJ, but he can't. I don't think he can anyhow. That that would be my summarization of it. But you know, Blake Corum is playing at a Heisman level, and JJ's doing what he needs to do. The offense is doing great, but they need to sort out the red zone issues. I mean, but they do have some good options. I mean, the one I really like because Eric Arley's out for the year, isn't he? The tight end, but Shoemaker is it the backup who's Shoemaker. coming? Yeah. Shoemaker looks a baller. 
I actually was, he made some clutch catches in that game. I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. I think he'll be pretty clutch going forward. Jared also says, what was up with Michigan trying to run trick plays to score at the end of the game? Seemed like they were really trying to cover the spread. Yeah, there's just something there. They just need that little thing to get them over the edge. But if they come up against a better team than that, and the red zone efficiency is not as good as it could be, then yeah, they are really going to have... They're going to have issues there with that one. I'm not sure what the efficiency was. Was I on there? Um, I can quickly get it up just to see how they did. Um, but overall, the offense was quite good. They were running the ball well. Can, can Corum win the Heisman, do you reckon? Do you reckon he's got a legit chance? Uh, no. And that's not because he's that's not because he's not the best running back in the nation. That's because he's at Michigan. And Michigan might not even make the playoffs. Yeah. I just feel like that will hurt him. But yeah. right now... Right now, Jameer Gibbs, Blake Corum are the only two running backs and for me in Heisman contention. Yeah. I know there's other backs out there, but none of them are on a high profile stage enough to be considered. No, no, absolutely not. Um, red zone success rate, 43% for Michigan, so it's 57%. Oh. Well, it's okay, but if you want to win... It's okay for Michigan State. If you want to win a natty... Yeah. You need in 70s, 67s. If you want to win a natty, you've got to be a lot higher than that, let's just say. And, um, yeah, but they did the most. They did what they needed to. They put little brother away, as they called them. And, um, yeah, on to the next one. I think it's all down to the Ohio State game with now them, isn't it? Because whoever loses that's out of the playoff picture because a one-loss team ain't making it from the Big Ten. So all eyes are going to be on that, although they want to not take their eye off the ball. I know they've got Rutgers this week. Even if you take your eye off the ball, they'll probably win but um, you've got to be careful you, you need to still be in contention when you come to that last week right who have I got up next <laughs> got a couple of ding dong blowouts to talk about next um, we've been talking about Tennessee right Kentucky 6 Tennessee 44 hey this was a non-contest about as non-contestable a contest as you can get. I mean, let's just look at some of the stats here. The success rate of offensive plays, 55% for Tennessee, that's 95th percentile. 35% for Kentucky, which is 20th. Yards per play, Kentucky, 4.13, 7th percentile. Tennessee, 6.5, which is a 64th, which is fine. Yeah, absolutely great with that. Uh, yards per drop back, 9 for Tennessee, 3 for Kentucky. I mean, explosive play rate, 8 for Tennessee, 2 for Kentucky. Neither team was particularly good in the red zone, but Tennessee don't really get to the red zone. They fling it at you from 40 yards and just bypass the entire thing together. Sorry, third down success rate wasn't great, but again, don't really get to third down a hell of a lot on that one there. I mean, there was a lot of offense from Tennessee in this game. They racked up... 422 yards altogether, I say six and a half yards per play. Pretty balanced between passing and rushing. They actually run the ball more than they throw it, which seems a little odd given how many yards Hooker's putting up this year and everyone's kind of highlighting him. But, I mean, Jabari Small is is, is having a low-key, really good year for them. I think he's getting lost in the Hooker hype, as as, as they call it. But um, this was a really impressive win for them. This could have been... A real trap game for them because Kentucky have shown that they can upset teams that they're not expected to but I mean outside of the first scores that were traded um, this was a no contest yeah 
And what's weird is Will Levis looked great when he didn't have his lead back because he was having to put games on himself. But since Chris, since, since Chris Rodriguez has returned, Levis has looked terrible. Mm. He is absolutely shooting himself in the foot. He threw dodgy picks against Youngtown State. He threw, I think, some picks against Florida. He's got the old nil touchdowns and three interceptions against uh, Tennessee. I am really starting to question the processing, the decision-making. He, I think a lot of people are probably going to get put off him now, draft stock-wise. Before the season, super high on him. Right now, I am very cool. He is really doing his stock some harm, unfortunately. But yeah, like I said, Jabari Small, don't get enough credit because he does the dirty work. Mm. He's not that big, but he's wide. He's got trunks like, he's got calves like tree trunks. Runs in between the tackles, does the short yardage. Hendon Hooker does not put himself at risk whatsoever. He will not throw himself into a tackle. He'll slide. He will let his running back do the dirty work. And then Hooker, Hooker and uh, Hyatt, what a relationship they found this year. He is taking the roof off defences at an alarming rate. And he is soaring up draft boards as well. Everyone is a winner now. The Falls are just producing winners across the field. And this game this weekend is huge. This is a huge national program and platform against one of the best defences. So, yeah, I, I'm super sold on Hooker right now. At the Rams pick right now, I'd take him. Mm, I, I, you're not on your own there either. There's a lot... A lot of people who would agree with you, and I saw—I I forgot to mention this completely—but there were a lot of people in the chat going, "Will Anderson at one." I am on your train, one hundred percent. He needs to be the pick there if we are there. But I mean, I don't know. Hendon Hooker—he wins in Georgia this week. He's got to get the Heisman right. He's just got to. I mean, to lead that program to wins, you know, against Alabama, against Georgia. I know you've got to finish the season off and everything, but. He has to win it if he gets this weekend, doesn't he? He'll put himself ahead of Stroud and Drake May, who I feel like are probably the biggest threats. Drake May, UNC, haven't played anyone great, but to be a freshman, to come into a struggling team and do what he's doing, hmm. he's absolutely lighting the nation up. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, always there. But yeah, Hooker's got the chance because Hooker's had one big game against Bama. Now he's got the big game against Georgia. Ohio State have not had their big game yet for CJ Stroud to make his name, I don't think, in the Heisman race. Whereas Hooker has already survived one test and come out on the other side and can survive another. Uh, Hendon Hooker, if Hendon Hooker wins the Heisman, we will not get him at the Rams pick. I do not think he will be there, and that's the worry. He could easily play himself into top five contention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And. He's going to go draft boards. I think the age is going to... Like you keep saying, Pickett getting picked in the 20s last year kind of put the age argument to bed. You know, if you think you're going to get the best guy in this draft, even if he's a bit older, quarterbacks have shown they can play till they're a lot older. And Hooker's kind of the way he plays. He will play later in his career if everything carries on. He's not one of these guys who relies on elite athleticism to be a dual threat quarterback or anything. He's just... He will do his damage from the pocket. And that is a lasting trait in the NFL. So you might get him later, but you could very well keep him longer. I mean, it's a shame for Hyatt, really, isn't it? I mean, you kind of figure if his quarterback was not really that good, he could probably have a low-key shot at Heisman as well. But if they carry on doing what they're doing this year, the quarterback gets it over the wide receiver. Yeah, definitely. I don't think that this year it's 
Even with Anderson, he's nowhere near contention this year. No, he's no. just having a really quiet year. It's a quarterback or a running back. They're the only two players that come in the Heisman this year. I don't have anyone else in contention. Bo Nix for the Heisman? See, Bo Nix is definitely an outsider. He's got odds on him. Yeah. But he would have to, he needs to pass like, for, for like 400 yards of a week now. He also yeah. has to pass like 400 yards. Oregon are lined up for us currently like a New York New Year Six bowl game. Yeah, he would absolutely have to destroy someone. Yeah, but he's definitely. If you want, if anyone wants to put ten dollars on Bo Nix, you'd probably win about five grand. Yeah, he's yeah. probably at like a thousand or one or something. Yeah, so it'd be worth an outside shot for sure. Um, John Ball goes. The team that disappoints me is Nebraska. It used to be a powerhouse. They went to Big Ten. It's sad. Yes, yeah, someone needs to reinvigorate that program quickly. He also goes. Come on, Rams, please tank. Yeah, the harder the Rams tank, then the better chance we have of Hendon if he carries on playing the way he is. Uh, Randall Cooko has been recruited for a job that would require trips to the UK. If that comes to fruition, what is the likelihood I could find a place to watch Lions games? Your likelihood is high, Randall. There are a lot of us over here, so there are a lot of us who would happily entertain you and uh, put on Lions games for you. So, whatever happens, let us know. Get in touch. You'll have a lot of places to come and uh, come and visit here. Right, the other blowout this week, and nobody, I don't care who is anybody, did not see this one coming. Right, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State zero, Kansas State forty-eight. That is Kansas State without starting quarterback Adrian Martinez, 48. And this is an Oklahoma State side who just beat Texas the week beforehand and dropped 40 on them. What the hell is going on in the Big 12 this season? Because someone's put something in the water. Everybody's beating everybody. And I just don't have a clue what to think about this conference at the minute. Outside of TCU, there's no givens in the conference this year. And what the hell? I hate to see this. I hate blowouts like that, especially shutouts. It's just... It, and it, what's funny as well, like I said, big, the Big 12 as well with ESPN just got a huge deal last week as well. Mm. Like, is that really the one... Is that really what you want to pay for? Is that good for the Big 12 brand? I don't think it is at all. And last week on the podcast, I said that uh, Gundy was like one of the most underrated head coaches in college football and then he's Oklahoma State to go and lay an egg. Like, for five, six... The five six weeks, Spencer Sanders was also having a Heisman season. But ever since I've said that, I think I've pretty much jinxed him. Like I said, because you can write the Cowboys off now for their season. Like I said, they started with so much promise, and it's like a, it's a car crash now. Mm, All bad. hopes of a Big Twelve title are probably going out the window. And I can't. It was a fashion, though, like I say, like to put in not need Adrian Martinez and then just destroy them with the backup. Put it this way, it's the first time in the last four games that Oklahoma State have played that, you know, not one team, that one team in the game has not scored more than 30 points. So it was, they beat Texas Tech 41-31. They beat Texas 41-34. They lost 43-40 to TCU. These are high-scoring games where no team scores less than 30 with them. And then they just go and lay an egg like that. I mean... It, it, it's unreal, and Will Howard, the backup Kansas State quarterback, he looks amazing. 21 of 37, 296 yards, four touchdowns. Deuce Vaughn is really coming into his own, shepherding this team through its quarterback troubles. 22 carries, 158 yards at 7.2 yards per carry against what is usually a pretty good Oklahoma State defense. He had a rushing 
touchdown um, had a few he had a receiving touchdown on the day as well got four catches for 18 receiving touchdown I mean he's just having the season of all seasons at this point yeah he's going to be fun in the draft mm. I'm not I'm not convinced of a lead back I don't think he'll be a lead back that you'll give a workhorse character he's very much like Swift I yeah. he can do the dirt work when he needs to but he is an elite receiver he is super fast he's shifty because he's got that small centre of gravity and like I say, Will Howard, Kansas State set quarterback. Adrian Martinez, I think, has used to poise eligibility. So he will be entering the draft this year. Juice Vaughn's going to the draft. So at least they've got a quarterback. They need to replace the running back, but Kansas State future has just been bright. The last two, three years have been really kind to the Wildcats. And it looks like they're still in safe hands again. But yeah, Oklahoma State, it's a mess. What they're going to do with their last remaining games, how did they redeem themselves? Well, I think it's going to be hard to get the fans back on side who will be what a season that could have been has now just been like well what 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 went wrong especially with Oklahoma struggling you know it's it's not rare you're going to get them struggling very much so you kind of have to take advantage when they're playing badly and <laughs> they, they didn't in this one I mean listen to the offensive stats here so their success rate 25% on offensive plays is third percentile. Yards per play, 3.57, third percentile. They had negative EPA on dropbacks and rushing, so they, they were expected to lose points on dropbacks and rushing carries. Um, 0% explosive plays. They didn't throw one single explosive play in the entire game on the ground or in the passing game. Red zone success rate, 0%. I mean... On the Kansas State side, 95% stop rate. I don't know how it's not 100. I think the metric metric includes the little bits and one. I'm not sure. But, I mean, eh? yeah. This was just... Yeah, I, I don't get it. It's 95%. I don't... You don't score. Yeah, I don't... I, I'm, I'm going to have to look into stop rate a little bit more. I think there's a few other things involved in it. But uh, let's just say Kansas State's defensive coordinator probably got a big basket of chocolate or something in them or whatever they whatever they have you know baby cute baby back ribs or something like that they'll have given him something a big reward for something like that on that weekend so um yeah kansas state I, I yeah they could just run the season now they could challenge for the big 12 we'll look at the divisions after we've it's done season this today, they would be, wouldn't they? yeah we'll look at the divisions after this but the big 12 is crazy this season um right where am i on now we're gonna stay in the big 12 tcu just continue continue to stay unbeaten probably should have had these a little further up the show to be fair because i mean what a season they're having i mean i really enjoyed this game i made a point to watch this game when they played west virginia and west virginia for their part were pretty decent cj donaldson had 100 yards and two touchdowns on the day before his unfortunate season ending injuries jt daniels was pretty decent through just one pick, had nearly 300 yards in the air, pretty accurate on the day. They they had a good offense. The defense let them down in this one, but once again, sort of TCU dig themselves out of a hole. They were behind early in the second, but they came back, put up 21 points, put up another 13 in the fourth quarter. Max Duggan, another 340 yards in the air, three touchdowns, just one pick. Kendra Miller, the Trinity, part of the Holy Trinity here, 10 yards per carry he was averaging, 12 carries, 120 yards. And a touchdown. And of course, you finish off the Trinity with Quentin Johnston, the star wide receiver. He did take a knock in this game, but he had 76 yards and a really good touchdown 
in this one. This TCU sort of triple threat up front for them. The quarterback, the running back, the star wide receiver is uh, is carrying them potentially to a Big Twelve title. Yeah, every week the offense impresses me. The defense for me gets worse weekly. I I I am really not convinced at all, especially how this team is so unbalanced. Mm. It's a good thing the Big Twelve has been kind to them. Like I say, but uh, yeah, and Kendra Miller, like I say, sophomore, he's going to have a very bright future ahead of him because he's the only one that will still be here next year. I think Duggan will be gone. Quentin Johnson definitely gone. So this is a this is a nice swan song. This is the nice year where everything comes together, knowing two of their best players are definitely leaving. Trevious Hodges, Tomlinson, the cornerback, went in the draft. So they're going to have to replace some big guys next year. So they need to make sure they win the Big Twelve. This season has got to have a big crescendo for the guys that are going to depart. But, yeah, there's some guys out there. Duggan, another one that's on the fringes of a Heisman talk. Mm, I was just I, about I to say. I think he's got to be a, a little bit of consideration, at least. It's only fair. But, yeah. Mm. As a West Virginia played their part in a good game, a West Virginia could have won. Yeah. There were some questionable calls. There were some very questionable calls at times. And JT Daniels, like I say, is... He's done all right. Like I say, he's not had a bad year. He stayed healthy. Pr- stayed healthier, which he's not done in the past. So it's nice to see him playing football. And West Virginia are not a bad team. No. Like I say, they've got some good players. They're able to cause an upset at any given time. But yeah, TCU got another one over the line. They just seem to get that rub of the green every week. One or two big players, one or two decisions that happen to go their way. But when you look, Looks in, you looks in. So let's see how far they can ride the wave. But they do need to buckle down that defense at one week. I've seen them concede at least thirty points most weeks of the season elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Big Aries sums it up well in the Twitch chat. He goes, "Big Twelve defense optional, but they get guys drafted." Yes, they do. Put it this way: I'm going nowhere near any defenders from the Big Twelve this year. I think Oklahoma, no chance. DCU, no chance. Baylor, no chance. <laughs> There are a lot of good defenders in the draft this year, but precious few of them are coming from the Big 12. I don't care whether we stay well away from them or not. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but, yeah, TCU, such a, such a great day. I mean, averaged 8.82 yards per offensive play through the air. They were averaging nearly 12 yards per play through the air. I mean, that's just how good Max Duggan is. Quentin Johnston is going to be the best ex-receiver in this draft, and the Lions need to look at him in the first round. We want an X to pair with Jameson and Amon Rawa. Seriously, if you've not watched Quentin Johnston highlights, go and take a look at them now. You'll fall in love with him quickly and you'll soon put any reservations about taking a wide receiver in the first to bed. Um, right, let's have a look. We've got a few more to go through here. Well, we mentioned about Notre Dame being party poopers this uh, season, right? They went and absolutely wrecked Syracuse this uh Weekend just gone. Syracuse's season seems to have kind of uh, fallen off a little bit of a cliff now. Um, the the defeat to Clemson, which they deserved for not running uh, Sean Tucker more. But this is sort of good Notre Dame appeared this week. And it wasn't even the quarterback. Drew Pine only threw for 116 yards. He had a touchdown and a pick. It was the run game that came to the fore here. Aldrich Estime, 20 carries. 123 yards, two touchdowns. Logan Diggs, 20 carries, 85 yards, a touchdown. They ran the ball 
54 times and they passed 19. Uh, they beat Syracuse at their own game because usually it's um, death by running from Syracuse, but they had a little bit of their own medicine this week. Yeah, Sean Tucker played all right. He had like 70 yards on the ground and then like 20, 30 through the air. Brandon Joseph finally turned up, mm. got pick six in the first quarter. He had a second inception ruled out for, I think, I think it was uh, roughing the passer. So he should have had two picks on there. Had his best game, probably as a Notre Dame. And then he took to Twitter to mock Sean Tucker using his pleased hashtag, like I say, which was kind of funny. Like, I, I did feel like it's a bit rich. Like You've been irrelevant your whole time there, and now you start chirping up after one good game. Yeah, yeah the defence. The defence of Notre Dame was really good. Foskey got a sack again, like I say, on their star men. The defence came up, and yeah, it was just ground attack. Like I say, and shot. They, they just couldn't get anything going. Like I say, Garrett Schrader got hurt. Del Rio Wilson, their backup, came in like the fourth to try and make it a close game. He's their passing quarterback. And do you know what? He looked good. Mm. He's good at what Schrader's not at. He was slinging it, trying to get them back in the game. And he played fairly well. But yeah, once Schrader went down, their game plan went out the window. And Tucker was kept in check. So yeah, that's kind of, you take those away and that hurts Syracuse. Like I say, you lose Garrett Williams, your top corner. Nah, it, like I say, he limped. He was like mm-hmm. say in pain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a horrible Bad week injury. On and off the field. Yeah, you, you kind of feel like you always thought Syracuse were all right, but when the big opposition came around, they'd struggle. And, and Clemson and Notre Dame have come to town, and they've just not had it for them, really, have they? It's it's kind of where they're at in the pecking order. They're a decent team who will beat a lot of the middle insides, but when you start bringing the good teams to town, they will. They will struggle. It's such a shame for them. What do you reckon? Because the guy who's caught my attention there, Aronde Gadsden, the wide receiver, he's getting touchdowns most weeks at the minute. I actually have begun to become really intrigued by him. He looks like a big playmaker on this Syracuse team. I don't know a great deal about him, but I really like the way he plays. Yeah, so I play this week, and like I say, he, he looked good. Like I say, I would like to see more of Del Rio Wilson than I would Garrett Schrader. Mm. I feel like he just creates more balance the offense because Schrader's a running quarterback. And when you've got one of the best running backs in the nation. <laughs> I feel like at some point, probably experiment with him because I think Schrader's probably going to leave soon anyway. And Del Rio Wilson, a transfer, has got more eligibility. Yeah. When Sean Tucker goes, this, this Syracuse team is, is going to change. Mm. I'm pretty sure he's, he's going to the draft. Yeah. Next year, Syracuse have got to find something different in offense. They can't just rely on him anymore. They're going to have to go out there and address their passing options. Mm, absolutely. And as for Notre Dame, I mean, it's Clemson this week. I'm going to be very intrigued to see, because you don't associate Notre Dame with running the football really that well. They haven't done it well for a while now. Clemson are not a team you can usually smash down their throat and run on them. It's going to be interesting to see how they approach that one after the way they won this game. Yeah, like you say, Brian Brzee, uh Murphy, yeah. Trenton Simpson. Yeah. Like say, they've got a spine on that defence that does not let teams run on them. So, it's gonna, Drew Pine is going to have to help them win the game, which is always risky because, like I say, they've got a good secondary that can take away the ball. So, they've got their work cut out for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, let's move this on. We talked about him very briefly not so long ago, but possible outside Heisman candidate Drake May and his North Carolina Tar Heels, 7-1 and one on the season, beat up on the Pittsburgh Panthers, 42-24. to 24. Drake May, 34-44, 388 yards, 5 
touchdowns. Man is just throwing for days. Uh, Antoine Green, 180 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Josh Downs going to be in this upcoming draft, probably 102 yards, two touchdowns on the day. UN defense, UNC defense continues to kind of suck. It's not really that great. Only one sack on the day. No picks. Pittsburgh just having a bad season with Keaton Slovis. He was 14 of 31, 236 yards through the air. No picks, no interceptions. Half of his passes were to Jared Wayne, who got 161 of the 236 receiving yards on offer. Um, but the big shout-out here goes to um, Israel Abanikanda, continues to be one of the sensational running back stories this season. 127 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Basically, Pitt's entire offense on the day. The defensive line did some damage, but Savossier Dennis, these big guys on there, weren't really able to get at Drake May here. Um, great day for UNC and for Israel individually for Pittsburgh. Yeah, no one's talking about seven-one UNC because their schedule has not been great. No, and they're they're kind of just irrelevant, aren't they? Yeah, like, say, it, the defense like, is leaky. It's just a Drake May story. This star, I've got. He's currently the best freshman in the country. He's ahead of Quinchon Judkins at Ole Miss. I've, I have them two as my best two freshmen in the nation this year so far. Mm-hmm. Unless anyone can find me some more stars. But yeah, he is just out there airing it. I think Josh Downs is a sleeper for the first round. Yeah, I think he could go in the first round of the draft. And that would surprise few. That would not surprise me. He's not the biggest. And he might start in the slot. But name me guys that take the roof off the defence weekly. I mean, there aren't that many guys. Well, I mean, we talked about UNC a lot last year because of Hal, but he was basically Hal's only... When Hal lost all his weapons in his last year, when he lost Newsom, you know, when he lost um, Amari... Uh, oh, God, who's the other one? The, the Army Brown, sorry. He lost Michael Carter. You know, he lost all the running backs. Josh Downs was basically the only guy who really stood up all season last year. Ty Chandler obviously got good after a while, but... Josh Downs has been there for him since day one for his quarterbacks and has consistently produced. I think I agree with you. I do think he's got potential to be a, a round one draft guy because it's not like they've had anyone else. He's still got the productivity despite seeing a lot of the attention from opposition defences. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I think he will be a round one guy, potentially. Um, right, the last one in terms of the pick watch and the one that upset everybody... Um, did not think this was going to happen. UCF knocked off Cincinnati. Cincinnati on the road, 21-25. to 25, They lost this game, and Cincy just didn't look right in this one. Um, only six yards per play through the air, five on the ground. Um, UCF really good through the air when John Rice Plumley went out with an injury, and that's, you know... Unfortunate injury for him, but I mean the backup came into this one. Uh, who's it? Mikey Keane, who's the backup there? Fifteen of twenty-one, one hundred and seventy-six yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but kept the ball. UCF ran the ball here. They got three rushing touchdowns on the day, averaging about five yards per carry, just over, which is pretty decent on any given day. But um, I think Cincinnati feared. They, they become what they feared we were going to be. I mean, losing all that talent in the draft. It's only the second defeat of the season, but the last year's team with all the talent it had would have blown this UCF team to shreds. But um, you, you can't reload that badly and win all these games here. UCF deservedly won in the end. Yeah, Cincinnati have done okay. Like, 
I said last week, kind of like, I'm not convinced of Ben Bryant, but they've not been able to bring a quarterback in. This was a big loss because this was an American loss, wasn't it? Yeah. This was a division match. This yeah. has massive title implications now. And what helps UCF is I think they're uh, Bowser. They got their running back back, who has been injured. I think Isaiah Bowser. Yeah, he got I think a touchdown. He some time. Yeah, yeah. He's someone that I'm looking at in the draft. He is going to be one of those kind of day two, day three guys. He's been hugely productive for UCF. Mm. But yeah, like I say, they're now with firmly in the driving seat in that uh, division title race ahead of Cincinnati. That was a big loss. And it was it was a lopsided offense. Ben Bryant threw the ball 45 times, completed 25 for, two, for 298 yards and a touchdown. Do you know how many times they run the ball? 14. Run it 14, throw it 45. And like it was only 25 points. They were never really far behind in this game. So... Why so lopsided with the passing when you're not that far behind? I mean, they were ahead going into the last quarter. UCF came and won this sort of at-the-death sort of thing, so I don't get why they didn't rely on the run more. Just really, really confusing stuff there. But yeah, fair play to UCF. They've uh, somehow got themselves on the uh, the college football playoff rankings. There's no way they're going to be in the final four, but fair play to them for getting in there right let's go through some of the other fixtures on the day and we we need to have a talk about pat fitzgerald and his 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 is like let, let's say competency to hold that northwestern job much longer northwestern 13 iowa 33 i'm pretty sure that iowa have not scored that many points in the rest of their games this season combined to have 33 dropped on you by the worst offense in the nation, and it was the worst offense in the nation, worse than New Mexico, worse than New Mexico State, UMass, Hawaii, Nevada, all those bottom feeders, was the worst offense going. To lose 33 points to them, Ryan, I mean, the tenure's been long, he's had some success, but there's got to be a point where you draw the line. Yeah, they've stagnated. They've lost every game since I saw them. They're yeah. now 1-7. and seven. They, they they won in Ireland when I saw them and I thought with Hull as a running back they had Helinski I think Helinski dealt with injuries but yeah, yeah this team has got Skaronski it's got talent but yeah since they departed Ireland back to the US they've lost every game and they've they've lost to some bad teams too like I said they're not even playing these high powered offenses every week like I said to come in and say uh, Spencer Petras and his backup have had a, a QB battle all week and they didn't name the start until like the day of the game yeah. they didn't even know who the QB was going to be like say so Sam Laporta had like 70 yards he didn't even get a touchdown they didn't even do that much in offence the no. defence stifled them again because that's what I does but even the offence wasn't that great so to lose to a team where Iowa just just, just sucks the life out of them like I say Pat Fitzgerald his buyout, I think, is coming down. I think that team needs a new direction. It needs yeah. some new players, definitely. It needs someone to come in, try get some transfers, and bring some new life to them. Because they can't just keep going from middle of the road for a few years, good year, bad year, irrelevant. No, oh no, absolutely not. That 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 was an absolutely awful. Awful defeat for them, and they really need to have a long hard look at themselves. They've got Cam Porter and Evan Hull. They're two good running backs, really good running backs. They're going to have a franchise left tackle who's taken in the first round of the draft this coming year. 
you know, they've got Holinsky who's been serviceable. I know he's not been, I know he wasn't available, but still, you should be doing a hell of a lot better than that. Just some thoughts in the chat from guys. Grandizer says Keaton Slovis, Sadie showed good promise over a year ago now. He may not even get drafted. There's no way he gets drafted. He's a UDFA. He's got UDFA printed all over him. Uh, Chrome is in the building. He says, yo, thank you to you. Good, sir. Hope you're all right. Oh, Luke's just gone live. We may lose everybody now, but hey, help. We appreciate all of you who are sticking with us. Randall Cook goes, um, this is completely an aside. He goes, Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction. Going to that concert soon. Opinions, I love Jane's Addiction. I'm very jealous that you're going to see them. And to be honest, I wouldn't even know they were still touring. But uh, yeah, enjoy. That should be really good. Um, other results. <laughs> Arizona. Yes, I was. Um, yeah, go for it. They gave them a scare, didn't they? They gave yeah, USC a big scare. Jaden Deloria. He's one of the better transfer impact players of the year. He's had a fine year. I'd say that a really solid quarterback, Jacob Cowing, one of the. He's going to be a draft steal. He's going to go well in the draft. He's done the world of good this year while he's been at Arizona. I'd say he scored like what, like thirty-five points. I think it was thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Yeah, I'd say they gave USC a real big scare, and that's why I'm not convincing USC. Caleb Williams was phenomenal mm. like 400 yards like five touchdowns but his defense absolutely pony arizona took them to the cleaners unfortunately they just could not stay alive in a duel but the wildcats last year one of the worst teams in the fbs the the, the program has turned around mm. they have turned around their fortunes we're just bringing in two players two players have turned around the entire fortunes of that scene for me i mean you know what? What team do you know of that Lincoln Riley has head coached in the past that's had a great offense and a bad defense? That's Oklahoma. He, he's basically recreated yes. Oklahoma already in USC. The bad defense, but the gunslinging it round. Like you say, Caleb Williams, four hundred and eleven passing yards, five touchdowns. Travis Dye got a hundred yards on the ground. Yeah. Oh yeah, Caleb probably in there. Probably because the Lincoln Riley connection. He probably gets extra bona fide status in that one. I mean, yeah, Taj Washington, 118 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Kyle Ford, 114, one touchdown. That's on seven and six receptions, you know, respectively. I mean, crazy what went on in this. And Arizona, like you said, good. Jaden Delora, 380 yards, three touchdowns, just one pick. Um, Dorian Singer, three touchdowns and 141 yards in the air on just seven receptions. So basically one in every, one in every two passes he collected was a touchdown. Cowing got seven receptions for 80 yards. I agree with you. He's going to be a draft steal for somebody. I mean, as an Arizona State fan, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried about you are you about facing them this year? Nine. Nine out of ten. We've found our quarterback finally. It's only taken all season for the backup to show that he's better than Emory Jones. And in three weeks, we'll have to play them. It's going to be intriguing, actually. I'm actually really looking forward to it because it's finally going to be a game that's a test. They've not be, they've not lost Arizona in like 2,200 days. And finally, that's really under threat. And mm. it kind of makes it exciting. It's yeah. kind of just been a non-contest. But yeah. now the threat of actually losing Territorial Cup is real. That should make it all my part. The atmosphere will be electric in week 12 for the Territorial oh, yeah. Cup. 
Oh yeah, yeah, Wonderman. That the game I'm looking forward to uh, seeing already. I I want to watch a bit of Arizona. I'm I'm impressed with them. Um, all I will say about them though, um, that rough in the passer call that you saw on them that Caleb Williams got. Jesus, how bad was it? He ran out of play. This guy tapped him just a little tap. And um, it was rough in the past. It, it's probably one of the worst calls I've ever seen. And as a Lions fan, that is uh, that is an honour to bestow, really, isn't it? It was awful. Yeah, he knew what he was doing, Caleb Williams. Very yeah. clever, very coy. And let's uh, say so the referees gave him it. He yeah. bought that one. Like when you buy a penalty, like say so he went looking for contact. Yeah. And then he hit the floor like a sack of shit. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was terrible. It's like something that uh, Ashley Young would do in his heyday in the Premier League. Uh, Big Aries, going back to Northwestern, says, I forgot Pat has been at Northwestern since 2006. He's had rough years. They trend up a bit. He has one good year every four years, and it convinces them to keep him. You know, he'll have like a 10-2 and two season in three years, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. They really need to get themselves out of that cycle. Um, Grand, as I said, Luke G's just gone like, yes, I know he has. Everyone's gone to watch Luke, but hey ho, we're still going for now. Um, I will drop in with him later, though. I do want to chat with him, so you'll see me there on his show in a bit. Um, right, other games. So, you know, when a coach is, it's like happens a lot in football over here, right? When a coach is fired and then his team automatically goes and lays waste to someone and. You don't know why they didn't do it before. Well, um, Will Healy must be sat at home going, what the actual hell? Oh, Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte, fired. Charlotte fired Will Healy last week because they were 1-7 and seven and could not win a game for love nor money. And then they came up against the 4-3 and three Rice Owls and dropped 56 points on them. 56-23 to Charlotte over Rice. Chris Reynolds is like, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Throws five re- receiving touchdowns. They have three different guys score touchdowns on the ground. Shadrick Bird, Calvin Camp, Johnny Martin... Elijah Spencer gets three touchdowns as a receiver through the air. Grant Tapos gets one. Victor Tucker gets one. The defense just goes crazy. You think like four different guys had sacks in this. And, and this is against the Rice team who've been middle of the pack. They're no special, but they've been beaten this season. Charlotte have lost to FCS teams. They've lost to really bad sides. And then 56 in one day. Will Healy must be fuming sat at home. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Like, say, what changes in a week? You can't change that much in a week because the basically the same level of players are available to you. Right, that that and the old Dominion score, bizarre. What a huge smash that was for the Monarchs. Oh God, Old Dominion is such a weird team this year. I feel like Very most weird, weeks yeah. I'm talking in glowing terms about them and how great they've been, and but then they lose just games and you're like, how? Why? What? What the hell are you? Are you just a team that? loses every game it's expected to win and then wins games it has no right to. That's why I feel like they are this year. They're that team this year. It's... Oh, God, it's weird. Um, But speaking of bad teams who are bad, I mean, Mario Cristobal and the Miami Hurricanes. Jesus Christ, how bad are they this year? Four overtimes it took them to beat Virginia. And I know Brennan Armstrong, this time last year, that would have been a really impressive victory, but... This Virginia team ain't last year's Virginia team. It's awful. It's 3-5. and five. Its quarterback is useless this year. Can't really do a whole lot, but... 
I mean, what the hell? I know Tyler Van Dyke's injured and not playing, but all they scored was field goals in this game. There was not one single touchdown. This was just... Oh, no, hang on. Was there a safety in there? Oh, no, it was a two-point conversion at the end. Yeah. Four field goals each and one two-point conversion in fourth overtime. I mean, this would have been enough to suck the life out of, you know, the Grim Reaper. This was that bad. And that team is just bloody bad. Yeah, they have fallen off a cliff. The atmosphere must have been awful. Mm. It's not even a win you enjoy. Like, imagine what time you get on for your tea after four other times. You must have been well pissed by the time it was over. Like, you can't have been happy. The fans must have been so upset. Like I said, Virginia Tech, bad. Miami, now bad. Mario Cristobal, hot seat. Real hot seat. He's in trouble already. But yeah, just one of those games where you just, just, just win. win or lose, you just want it to end. Mm. Oh yeah, um, no, it was not good. Not one, one little bit. Um, and yeah, well, well, we'll carry on the trend with bad teams at the minute. I mean, Mizzou smoked South Carolina. The Gamecocks five and two, having a respectable season, and Spencer Rattler's not been great. Um, and they got beaten by Missouri. Spencer Rattler, twenty of thirty, one hundred and seventy-one yards and an interception. The lead running back has 30 yards rushing. They have 34 total rushing yards in the game. And that's it. I mean, the defense does what it can, but Mizzou, Mizzou ain't even that good. They got two rushing touchdowns, and the rest were field goals. Dominic Lovett got 148 receiving yards. You know, the Mizzou defense did well. I think it was five sacks on the day. They had a pick, but... That's an ugly loss for South Carolina to Mizzou. They should be beating teams like that with the players they brought in from the portal. Yeah, like I say, they went all in for Beamer. They brought in uh, Stogner, one at yeah. the tight end. Yeah. Like I say, they brought in... I, I can't believe the team with Spencer Rattler was in 5-2. and two. Like I say, he has been terrible nearly all year. Yeah. They win in spite of him weekly because of a defence and good weapons. But Rattler has not played really any part in those five wins, I don't feel like. No. But yeah. And then, like I say, Mizzou, is, is it Connor Baselik? Is he, is he the quarterback? No, Baselik's Indiana. I think he's Indiana. I don't, it's, I, don't, I don't know their starter at the minute. <laughs> That's where we're at with them. It's, yeah, ugly, ugly, ugly loss. And, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's just stick on the trend of struggling quarterbacks. What the hell's happened to Wake Forest, Ryan? You watch this. What what happened to them? They got smoked by Louisville. Louisville dropped nearly a 50-burger on them. 48-21. to 21. Sam Hartman, three picks. His backup, a pick. I mean, Louisville are not good. They're, they're not a good team this year, but what was it? I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight sacks on the day. Three picks. This Louisville defense crushed what's meant to be a good offense. Yeah, four picks. I think as well, I think a few fumbles lost. I think it was six or seven turnovers on the day. They had eight in one quarter. Yeah. I which think is, I'm sure is some there. sort of record. I'd say just a bad day at the office. Sam Hartman does not often have games like this, but yeah, everything went wrong. It was just a whole clusterfuck on both sides of the ball. That defence that we know is bad is still bad. And that offence that is usually really good and protects the ball just decided it was kind of a day where gave it away. I think I think it was 10 times. I think it was 10 turnovers or like mm. 10 combined losses of possession. Yeah, absolute meltdown. Yeah, absolutely. And 
Yeah, this this was a bad weekend for a lot of draft quarterbacks. BYU season's dead. They lost again to East Carolina this time. I mean, that East Carolina team's all right, but BYU are four and five on the season now. Jaron Hall was all right, but he's he's not what was advertised. No, he has totally fallen off a cliff. BYU having general, they've had a hard schedule. They've had some really competitive matches. They just keep coming out on the wrong side of it. And as we keep saying weekly, no run game. There's no one to take pressure off Jaron. And unfortunately, he has shown that he can't handle the pressure all on his own this year. Even with a good pro-offensive line that's got like two guys going to the draft, it's just not enough. No, no. And the defence is pretty weak. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's not it's not great for them. <sighs> yeah, disappointing. ECU, they're six and four this season. They're middling. They're an okay team, but nothing special. But yeah, BYU, bad, bad, bad season. They need to find a running back. Got to be their number one priority next season is to find a running back. And we'll finish it all off. Ohio State, Penn State. Ohio State won forty-four to thirty-one. Penn State looked lively. They ran the ball well. Clifford was throwing the ball well. They were threatening an upset, winning in the fourth quarter of this. But Penn State just continued to be held back by Sean Clifford. He coughs up a fumble, um, which turns into a touchdown for Ohio State. You can't trust him when the lights are high. No, Penn State should have won this game. This is one of their biggest chances to beat Ohio State for years. Like I say... The player was good. Nick Singleton, the freshman backs, continue to get the job done when they're required, even against the biggest stages. Like I said, they, they entered with a lead, but Clifford went and did a big old Clifford on them, mm. turned the ball away, and the momentum, momentum like that just flipped, and they could just not, they just didn't get it back, unfortunately. I think it's time to see Drew Aller. Mm. I think Clifford, for the sake of next season, with what's left this season, I'd start giving probably Aller a few quarters because you need to know what you've got. Sean's on his way out. Well, he threw two picks right at the start of this game. I think he was like two of four with two picks. And it's like, you can't do that. How can Ohio State? They could have won this game with a competent quarterback. Ohio State were poor. However, one man who was not poor was their defensive lineman, JT Tuimolau. I mean, you know, he had... Eight tackles on the day, two sacks, two interceptions. I think it was three tackles for loss. He had a battered pass, which became an interception off that. I mean, one of the greatest defensive lineman displays we've seen in the last few years in college football. He just did everything. Yeah, he's a one-man wrecking crew. He can do everything. He's got good hands. He knows when to jump. He knows when to drop into coverage. He's then got finishing ability because he's not the heaviest. So he can run with the ball when it's got in his hands. And he's able to finish plays. And wait, so when he got to Clifford, he brought him down and made two big plays, killed drives. So yeah, best defensive performance I'd say of this season from one player. Oh, yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. I would I would agree. But, yeah, great, great stuff for him on that day. Right, that is the uh, review really done for week nine there. Just want to have a quick, we'll have a quick look down the conferences because uh, still got some of the pick watch stuff to do for next week. Um, but some interesting, interesting battles developing in these conferences. Right, we'll quickly go from the start. So in the AAC, Tulane 
currently top of the pile here. They're 4-0 in conference, 7-1 overall on a four-game win streak. Currently, I think they're higher than 19th in the AP Top 25. I think they're up to 16th at this moment in time. Followed by a three-way tie at 3-1 in conference. You've got UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. UCF and Cincinnati both 6-2 on the year. Houston at 5-3. Then you've got East Carolina, 3-2, 6-3 on the season. Then SMU, 2-2, 4-4 on the season. I mean, at this point, it looks like Tulane are going to get a spot in that championship game. They're probably going to win the thing outright, but... You've got UCF, Cincinnati, Houston behind them. I mean, what do you see happening in the AAC? Are you surprised any of these teams are up there that you thought might not be? Well, when we predicted start season, I thought Houston and Pomona were running, mm. but they're just not. Like I said, Houston, it's Tulane versus Cincinnati or UCF. They're the only real two fat players I can see out there. Like I said, because it's conference record. Mm. Like I said, Houston, like what, like three and two? They're just not going to be able to claw it back in time, unfortunately. I think UCF keep their head above water. Yeah. I think they'll meet Tulane. And I can see, I, I think UCF could pull off an upset. I think if they can keep it together at the end of the year now, I feel like they could knock off Tulane in a title game. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so as well. I would probably be rooting for Tulane, but I could I could see them happily doing that as well. But yeah, it, it boasted so much promise. You thought SMU and Houston with the high-powered offense, Cincinnati still probably being good. But yeah, it's opened up doors for lots of others. Uh, moving on quickly to the ACC. So you've got the Atlantic and the Coastal. Clemson dominating the Atlantic. They're 6-0 in conference, 8-0 overall. The next team in conference, Syracuse, 3-1. and Already three games off the um, lead in the division there. They're 6-2 and on the season. North Carolina State and Wake Forest, both 2-2 two and two in conference. Louisville and Florida State, both 3-3. Three and three. Boston College at the bottom, 1-4. <laughs> Boston College have got to be there for disappointment to the season for teams, really, don't they? But Clemson have this one wrapped up already in terms of finishing top of the conference. Yeah, Clemson next week. I'm pretty sure Syracuse lose and Clemson win next week. I think they've won the. I think they win the division. Yeah, book that spot. Like you said, the other side is an absolute mess. Yeah, yeah. The coast. Right. Yeah. yeah, no one can beat. There isn't anyone that can beat Clemson. Well, put it this way: this just trying to win the Atlantic and just try to get to the title game, but they can't challenge them. So in the in the Atlantic, there's only one team below 500. In the Coastal, there's only one team above 500. So UNC lead the way 4-0. Duke and Miami, the Hurricanes, are both 2-2. Two two. Georgia Tech, 2-3. Pittsburgh, 1-3. Virginia, 1-4. Virginia Tech, 1-4. God, it's a, it's a bomb site there, really, isn't it? And that, I mean, it looks like it's going to be UNC-Clemson for this one. I don't think there's really anyone who's going to mount a challenge this late on in the Wake year. Wake Forest remaining schedule is too hard. They're going to lose more games, so I think unfortunately they're going to drop out of UNC and step in. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll, just, they'll just eat it over the line, UNC. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, right, moving on to the Big 12. TCU lead the way, 5-0 in conference, 8-0 overall. Conference records after that, Kansas State are the only four-win team. They're 4-1. Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Texas, all 3-2. and two. 
Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas Tech, all two and three. West Virginia, one and four. And Iowa State sit rock bottom, 0 oh and five. Outside of TCU, this is what we expected. This is the division who've been taking a lot of wins off one another. There's kind of just a really massive middle of the field pack here. You've got Kansas State, who are slightly above, but do you expect TCU, Kansas State to be the championship game come the end, or will Oklahoma State, Baylor, or Texas get involved? No, I think with like say with uh, with Will Howard, I think that Kansas State can get the job done. I think Kansas State will then actually upset TCU in the title game. That is set up for revenge very sweetly that title game. But yeah, as long as TCU don't slip up within a week or two, they'll have booked their spot pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. I, I think that's the way it's going to go. Uh, right, quickly moving on to the Big Ten, Big Ten East. Michigan and Ohio State both five and zero. Maryland, Penn State three and two. Rutgers, Indiana, and Michigan State all bottom on one and four. It's pretty simple, right? It top two play one another. Whoever wins that wins the conference. Yeah, yeah. Bit of a, bit of a no show, really, isn't it? It is. And then the Big Ten West: Illinois top four and one. Purdue three and two. Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota and Nebraska all two and three. Northwestern one and four. Once again, this is the dregs of the Big Ten here. Only two teams above five hundred in conference. Um, interesting though. Illinois top. Can Purdue overcome Illinois? I don't think so. But I don't know. Do you reckon they could? It's hard because, like I said, Aiden O'Connell has been really up and down. Like I say, he's turned the ball over a lot, but he's scored a lot. It would. I'd have to look at their schedule. Like I think, I think Purdue could catch them. It only takes one game a swing. You could both by next week or two weeks. They could both be four and two. I think. Oh so, yeah. Uh, catch them. Illinois have to play Michigan still. I know that's one of their last that, remaining that, games. That, that helps. I think that Purdue need to win out. Yeah. And hope Michigan wins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, right, moving on quickly to the next ones. The CUSA were in next. Um, UTSA top of the pile, four and zero in conference. North Texas four and one. Western Kentucky and Florida Atlantic three and two. Rice Florida International two and two. UAB and UTEP two and three each. Middle Tennessee and Louisiana Tech one and three. Charlotte one and four. Um, I haven't really been paying as much attention to it this year, but UTSA quietly having a good season in conference after losing a swathe of players uh, to the draft. Obviously, still got Frank Harris there, but them and North Texas lead the way. You get the feeling that's probably where that's going to go championship-wise. Yeah, that, that looks like those two just need to just see it out now. Just get the job done. Don't make any silly mistakes, and they should be. They should meet. That will be a very interesting title game. Yeah, yeah, it will be. Um, UTSA still look pretty good despite all the ones they've lost. The Independents ain't really a conference, but Liberty actually the best independent side this season. 7-1 and one overall, then it's Notre Dame. Then it's BYU and UConn. UConn are a four-win team this season, Ryan. Uh, no one saw that coming. No, they, they, they've done really well. That win against Boston College this weekend, 13-3. Mm. Also, but fantastic. That was great for football. Yeah, it is. And, you know, fair play to Jim Mora for the job he's done there. Uh, a couple of conferences to go. So the MAC, the MAC is a minefield this year. The MAC East, Ohio and Buffalo on top, four and one records each. Bowling Green, three and one. Miami, Ohio and Kent State, two and three. Akron at 0 oh and five. Then the MAC West, Toledo, top four and one. 
Ball State three and two, Western Michigan two and two, Eastern Michigan two and three, Central Michigan one and three, Northern Illinois last year's champions one and three, right at the bottom. The Mac's been a, a disaster zone this year. The Michigan sides have been bad. Eastern Michigan, the one, the team where you're not expected to win, have the most wins of them all. They're they're about to qualify for a bowl game. It's uh, Max crazy this season. Not good. It's now, fun. Like I said, predicting the title game. When you've got what four and zero, and you've got two four and ones, pretty yeah. much impossible. I ain't got a clue. No, no, I I don't either. Um, it is Mac Attack Week actually, so there is there is Mac Attack on tonight. Michigan, the Michigan sides are playing, so if you do want to watch some uh, college football this evening, go check that way. Right, uh, just three more to go. Four more. Uh, Mountain West. Uh, Mountain West is another disaster zone this year. The Mountain West West. Fresno State and San Jose State top three and one. San Diego State UNLV two and two. Hawaii one and three. Nevada zero oh and five. Then the Mountain West Mountain Division. Boise State top five and zero. Oh. Wyoming four and one. Utah State and Colorado State two and two. Air Force two and three. Air Force nearly bottom, and we predicted them to win that conference. That's year. New Mexico bottom 0 and 4. I mean, this is another disaster zone this year, but so far it's Boise State versus Fresno State, but this could change week by week. I'm going to say Wyoming because I feel like Boise State have got another loss in them somewhere. Mm. They, they've looked good because since Batmire's gone, but they're, uh, they're not very reliable. No. Like I said, I'll, say, I'll say San Jose State v Wyoming. Yeah, I uh, I think Boise State will get there, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that one changed, um, yeah, really, at all. Uh, where are we? Just need to finish off. We've got the Pack 12 up next. Just need to get my things up for that. The Pack 12 all over the place. Um, Oregon top 5-0 and in conference, USC 5-1, UCLA and Utah 4-1, Oregon State, Washington 3-2, Arizona State 2-3, everybody else, that's Washington State, Arizona, California, Colorado and Stanford, all one-win teams and have all lost four, apart from Stanford who have lost five. Um, this seems pretty clear in court who's in the championship game this year. Oregon USC look like they're gonna they're gonna meet they're gonna they're heading for a collision course. Early prediction. Oregon comfortably. Oh really? They can score points, but they can also stop points. Yeah, that's true. That is something that uh, USC can't do very well. Right, two left. Southeastern SEC. Uh, the SEC West. They're actually a three-way tie at the top here, Ryan. Alabama, LSU, and Old Miss all four and one. Mississippi State and Arkansas two and three, Texas A and M and Open one and four. Oh, a three-way scrap. Could Alabama be? Um, could Alabama be about to uh, relinquish control of that conference? If LSU win this weekend, they're going to go to the SEC championship. <laughs> oh, if they, don't, if they don't, I think Ole Miss will. Yeah, I don't think Alabama are going to make it. I th- I can see them slipping up somewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They definitely could. In the SEC East, Georgia 5-0, Tennessee 4-0. Obviously, that is going to come to a head this weekend. Missouri, South Carolina, and Kentucky all 2-3. Florida 1-4. Vandy 
0-4, of course they are. Um, oh, go on, Ryan. Predictions. Who is going to be the SEC Championship game this year? Because there are five teams in contention here amongst the two conferences. <laughs> it's not easy, is it? All Miss v. Tennessee. Because Tennessee and Georgia. Wow. The winner of Tennessee and Georgia makes the championship game. Basically. What odds would you have got that at the start of the year? <laughs> Old Miss vs. Tennessee is the SEC championship probably, game. Probably really good. You'd, make a mil- you'd be a millionaire out of a pound. I think That's LSU what... could beat Bama. Oh. That's why I think if LSU beat Bama, I think LSU got the title game. I reckon LSU-Tennessee for the SEC championship. I just don't know. L- LSU just seem to be really sneaking under everybody's noses there. Um, right. Sorry, quarterback Jane Daniels has got 30 rushes of 10 plus yards this year. Yeah. He leads the way. The other four in the top five are all running backs. Yeah. The team. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, we'll finish off with the Sunbelt. Sunbelt group. Why are they called Group A and Group B? I don't know. Anyhow, Group A. Coastal lead the way, 4-1. and one. James Madison, 3-2 and two in second. Respectable start to the their first FBS season. App State, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, Old Dominion, all 2-2. Two and two. Marshall, 1-3. and three. Um, That seems to be between Coastal and James Madison in that group, I'd say, wouldn't you? Jamie, you're falling off. They've lost too many back-to-back games. All their momentum's gone. Hmm. And, and Coastal is somehow seven and one. I don't feel like they're a seven and one team this year, but they, they got trucked by Army, didn't they? That felt like their season was done when Army beat them. But Coastal out of nowhere. Group B: Troy atop four and one. South Alabama and Southern Miss three and one. Southern Miss with uh, young young Gore playing at quarterback again because they can't find one. Louisiana two and three. Pretty sure I had them winning that conference this year. Texas State, Louisiana, Monroe, Arkansas State, all one-win teams. Um, ooh, don't know. This is a three-way scrap between Troy, South Alabama, and Southern Miss, although Troy did beat South Alabama the other week. But who, who's going to be Coastal's competitor in the Sun Belt Championship game? Probably Troy with the head-to-head. They've already got a big head-to-head, which helps. And I don't know who's going to win that because Troy's defense is amazing and Coastal's offense is pretty damn good. So that is going to be close. Brent DeWitt is in the chat. He says, hate to say it, but Georgia or Tennessee looks like the cream of the crop. Well, don't hate to say it. Tennessee look better than anybody. Tennessee look the best team in the country. So don't don't sleep on them. Um, Right. So that is the rundown of the conferences very, very briefly. We'll maybe do something more in depth than that in the long run as we go on but we need to finish the show as we always do with a preview of week 10 and again as we've gone a bit long this week and this is pick watch stuff we're probably just going to pick the pick watchums today and then see if there's any other games that interest us unless there is anything you want to say about week 9 before we carry on is there anything you've missed or you want to get in before we look at week 10 no, I just think most of these bowl games and title games now are nearly set. I think this is, the week 10 is the week. Mm-hmm. If you want to play to their title game, this is where you'll confirm it. I feel like the playoffs are going to be pretty well set this week as well. I think the only big lingering question will be Ohio State or Michigan come the end of the season. Right, let's take a look at these week 10 fixtures. I mean, we can't really start anywhere else, right, other than... Um, I know they're not first in the order, but we're going to do it. Tennessee at Georgia. 
Georgia are 11.5 point favourites for this. You've got the best offence in the nation against the second best defence in the nation. You know, this Georgia defence really has not dropped off this year. It's still good. It's not historically good, but slightly less than historically good. It's still bloody good. This is going to be, for me, I feel this is where it lands. It's can Georgia's defence stop Hendon Hooker and this offence? Because if they start scoring... And I know Stetson Bennett is one of the most, you know, underappreciated and disrespected guys in college football. I just don't think Stetson Bennett can hang with Hendon Hooker and co. if this becomes a shootout. Hendon Hooker does not turn over the ball. No. Technically, do not turn over the ball. Stetson Bennett has turned over the ball at times. He's thrown some interceptions. Like I said, I am taking Tennessee in a shootout. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna take Tennessee. I just feel like the stars are aligning for them this year. This isn't a fluke. The Alabama game showed it was not a fluke. They are for real, and yeah, that Georgia offense is not Alabama, and you know Georgia's defense is a bit better, but yeah, sweep for Tennessee here, and you know hopefully Hooker stamps his name on the Heisman this one. Um, tomorrow. Big, big game in the Sun Belt. We've just mentioned it there. Appalachian State at Coastal Carolina. Appalachian have been up and down this year. Beaten Texas A&M. Lost the big shootout to UNC. Lost the big lead to James Madison. And then they just come and win games when you don't expect them to. They came from behind from forever against... Who the hell was it now? Um, I can't remember. The last home game, they came from behind and won that one. Um, this... This is tough. I think Coastal Coastal came undone against Appalachian last year on that unbeaten run. I think Appalachian beat them, if I remember rightly. This is, uh, this is a tough one in the Sun Belt. Happens tomorrow. What have you got? I just think Coastal. Appalachian State, the wheels have just fallen off. Mm. Everything after that, Texas A&M upset. It's just been pretty bad. Yeah. Chase Bryce has not been good. Cameron Peoples has had knocks and just been not effective. And the defence, to me... Wasn't very good anywhere. Oh no, absolutely not. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, I just—I said I swear I wouldn't put App State in again, but this was a big one from last year. Uh, I'm gonna go coastal as well, but I don't feel confident about it um, in the slightest. Right, who have we got in the slate next? We've got South Alabama at Georgia Southern. South Alabama are trying to get to the summit of the Sun Belt. They are just one game behind Troy at the minute. Georgia Southern football, I mean, Georgia Southern had the shock win over Nebraska earlier in the season. I know Nebraska have not been great, but this has been a decent team this year. They only lost by four points to Coastal. They put up 30 points on those. They whipped James Madison, put 45 points up on them. They've beaten Old Dominion. They've beaten Ball State, Morgan State. I mean, the only really bad game they had is when they got wiped out against... Um, no, no. I don't even think they've suffered a blowout loss this year. Oh, they lost to Georgia State in the rivalry, but... This is a decent Georgia Southern team. Uh, they are five and three on the season. South Alabama are six. Hang uh, on, they're five and two, I think, on the season. They've played one less. Very close. Very competitive. Sun Belt fixture here. Sun Belt has been all over the place. Who who have you got? South Alabama at Georgia Southern. I'm going to take Georgia Southern. I think this is the game where they cement their play, their race to make the title. Like I say, I saw the JMU game and they were good. 
They took the ball away from Todd Senteo multiple times. The defense can tear turnovers. Offense can score points. Yeah, I I like this South Alabama team a lot actually, but they screwed up against Troy the other week in the big matchup. That they said it might decide the Sun Belt West, I think it was, and they just it was a very low scoring game. Their offense didn't show. I I feel like kind of that was it for them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hit Georgia Southern too with that one. We're gonna agree again. Now we're getting into interesting territory. Clemson at Notre Dame. This one needs no introducing. Clemson, 8-0 on the season. Defense is great. Offense is suspect. But Will Shipley's been consistently good all season. DJU has been better, although in the last few weeks he's been showing glimpses of his old self from last season. And then you're coming up against the Notre Dame side who, I mean... They've lost at home to Marshall and Stanford this year, and yet they're still, still coming up with big wins. They've just ruined Syracuse the weekend, just gone on the road. I mean, this is a massive matchup with big playoff implications for Clemson. Can they do it? No. DJ is up to his old tricks again. He's been benched. Oh, we've seen Cade Klobnik now in two games because DJU is making mistakes and making bad mental errors. And... This, this Notre Dame defense, it's not performed well, but it's full of talent. Brandon Joseph could give him a real headache. Bosque, guys like that. I'm going to say Notre Dame upset ruins Clemson's season. Ooh, ooh, intriguing. I'm going to go Clemson, so we're going to have our first split on this one. Um, I don't know. I just think that defense is going to shut down. Notre Dame are only good at running the ball at the minute, and the one thing Clemson can do is stop teams running on them, so I feel like it's going to blunt them in South Bend, but I could well be wrong. So Ryan's from Notre Dame, I've gone Clemson, Alabama at LSU. Talking about this, LSU surprising everybody. They're on 6-2. and two. Alabama, they've had their one defeat. They absolutely cannot afford to lose this, but they go into the bayou, and LSU seem to have got their swagger back at home. This is not as cut and dry as it's led to believe. I mean, everyone else in the pick watchers just straight up pick Bama for this one, but this isn't not that easy. Go Tigers. Took down Ole Miss. They're going to tear down Alabama, and they're going to win the SEC side. <sighs> I just, they have just hit the form at just the right time, and mm. their big names have just started performing. Mm. Harold, like I say, Jane Daniels is the best rushing quarterback in the nation currently. And he's throwing the ball pretty well. Mm. Coaching, pretty good. They're doing all this without Keishon Boutte, basically still, which is pretty remarkable. Mm. Yep, I think they're going to take down Bama. Yeah, I do as well. I'm going to go the LSU upset with you. I fully believe they can do it. And Alabama, let's not forget how undisciplined they are at the moment. Penalties galore, ruining drives on offense and defense. And LSU, for the most part... Ever since that loss first week to Florida State, they've progressively got better week by week. And they look like they're hitting their stride at the right time. So, yep, I'm going LSU upset. I'm putting them in every week now because they've got to be upset eventually, or do they? Texas Tech at TCU, Ryan. This is big banana skin. They had the ranked win last week. You think that Texas Tech, they're not ranked, but they put points down on you. They score 40 points in a game easy, and we know TCU's defense don't do a damn thing about it. And one week, someone is going to stop that TCU offense. Is it Texas Tech this week? They changed their quarterbacks like I changed my socks. They've got two <laughs> quarterbacks that have got loads of playing time, loads of yards, even though they're not great. 
they still score a lot of points despite the very up and down offence that's always chopping and changing. TCU will pay them too lightly and they'll pay for it. See, I'm in this thing now where I'm betting against TCU every week just so that if they keep winning, I don't feel bad about it. But, you know, when they slip up, eventually I'm going to get one right. So I'm with you. I think Texas Tech are going to upset TCU this week. That defense is going to let them down eventually. Um, Staying in the Big 12, Texas at Kansas State. This is pretty much vying for second place at this point. Kansas are 4-1 in conference. Texas are 3-2 in conference. If they aspire to be in that championship game, they have to win this one on the road. Who knows what Texas side's going to turn up. It was bad Quinn Ewers last week. He's been pretty decent for the most part, but um, what have you got, right? Kansas State at home to Texas. Kansas State. This is, they're going to book their spot in the title game. They just shut out. They just blanked Oklahoma State. So there's they no beat Texas. Texas offense, and they destroyed Texas. All I would say is this is the Big 12 rules seem to go out the window. I'm taking Texas. I just don't. They've got you know Bijan, Quinn, Xavier Worthy. You've got playmakers to put guys down there. And how much longer can the the new Kansas State's quarterback look hold out? I don't know. Uh, Tulane at Tulsa. Tulane, the surprise pick, rising up the AP rankings every week. They're into the mid-teens now, 7-1 in the year, top of the American at the moment, looking like they could go on and secure that title. Um, Tulsa, 4-4 on the season, if I remember rightly. They have had an up-and-down year, but these are banana skins now at this point. The teams like Tulane, when they start overachieving like this, the pressure's on, and these are banana skins all the way around it again. I think everyone's picked Tulane for this in the pig watch. What have you got? They're on the road against Tulsa. They hit and miss. Who knows? What have you got? Tulsa. I reckon Tulane have a meltdown. They can, they'll still probably make the title game. Yeah, like even if they lose, but I think yeah, I think they 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 overlook Tulsa, and they get penalised for it. See, Tulane showed a bit of their colours for me last week. I think it played Memphis last game, thirty-five nil up at half time, ends up what thirty-eight twenty-eight. They just completely lost focus in the second half, and that is not begotten of it. That smacked of a team who conceded a few in the second half with a big lead and started crumbling under pressure. I do think the pressure is going to get to them. I'm going with you, Tulsa. Um, Commander-in-Chief trophy time, Ryan. Oh, it's Junie's favourite time of the year whenever the, one of these games happens. We've got the Army Black Knights at the Air Force Falcons. Weirdly enough, Army has a better record than Air Force this year. Um, they're 4-4 four and four on the year, I believe. Um, Air Force have just not been who we thought we were going to be, especially in conference. They have been dire. Um, I mean, these are... You know, toss-ups between you know whoever's going to win these out of the service games. All I know is the uniforms are going to kick ass. But um, service game, Army or Air Force? Here we go. I'll take Army. Air Force have been really disappointing. Yeah, I'm probably going to agree with you and go Army as well. Have you seen the uniforms for this one yet? I've not seen any yet. Usually they're boasted about well in advance. First thing I'm going to do when the show's over is go and check it out. The last one I've got, BYU at Boise State. You reckon Boise State are going to slip up? Well, is it going to be against the Cougars who themselves have slipped up big time this year? This could be the big statement win Boise State need to say we're going to be mounting kings again. This is hard, but... <laughs> it's the team who's disappointing against the team you're expecting to disappoint you. <laughs> They're the toughest. I'm going to go Boise State. I'll take BYU. 
I'm going to swear by his there. I just don't trust them. All right, interesting. So we've got a few differences of opinion with that one there. Um, are there any other games you've keenly got your eye on this week? The toilet, well, last year's toilet bowl, UMass and UConn, no longer UConn, out of the bottom 25 rankings for the first time since 2019. Wonderful for them. They're probably going to, that'll be five wins if they win this UMass one. UConn could make a bowl game. I mean, how crazy would that be? You only get so many teams that can enter if they did get to that thing. It'd just be fun to just put them in a bowl game, just, yeah. just to see how they play, just, just give them the bowl thing. So, yeah, that'd be very interesting. Mm, absolutely. Um, other games, ranked sides, Ohio State at Northwestern. Yeah, no, that's not happening. Oregon away at Colorado. I mean, Colorado gave you a lot of fight this weekend. I know it was kind of easy in the end, but... Colorado team aim to push over, but they're probably not going to stay with Oregon very long. No, they conceded 42 points to us and a backup quarterback in uh, Trenton Borgia. Like I say, who would now actually look really good. Yeah. He should be our starter all season, but yeah. If you concede 40 plus points to us, you're not, you're not very good. No. Looking at you, Washington. So Oregon should handle them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Pac-12, a lot going on. Caller at USC. Yeah, that's going to be USC winning that one. Two interesting ones, right? UCLA playing you, Arizona State, and Arizona playing Utah. Is there an upset in those two games? I think Arizona will beat Utah. <sighs> oh, I thought I might get you to say Arizona State upset UCLA, but... We will lose to UCLA, but... I think we'll make a we'll make a good go of it. I reckon Valadeva versus Charbonnet will be a good one. I reckon they're going to combine for about like four hundred yards and five touchdowns between them. Plus Elijah Badger, we've had that star retreat, that freshman receiver mm. who's actually grown into the role as our lead receiver this year. One of the better receivers in the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyone else? Oklahoma State played Kansas. Kansas had their break. Mm. I feel like their season's done and dusted a bit. Wake Forest play NC State, but of course Devin Leary's out for the season, which is such a big uh, shame. Wake Forest make really hard work of that. I thought about upset alert, definitely. And the thing is, NC State's defense is damn good. That's what is keeping them in games. That is what is keeping them in games this year. So uh, Baylor, Oklahoma. Ooh, that's a is that a rivalry game? I'm pretty sure that's a rivalry game. Yeah, um, yeah, Grand Iso, we're nearly done. We're uh, we're done through this now. We only have one show a week to talk about the entirety of college football, so uh, it does go long sometimes. Uh, James Madison play Louisville. That could be interesting. Florida State play the Hurricanes. Um, I would laugh my ass off if Florida State lost that one. Um, two games already took place. Ball State beat Kent State. Ohio beat Buffalo in the MAC. Eh, Anything else you want to get off your chest? We've gone through a hell of a lot today, but uh, it's been fun. But anything else you want to get off your chest before we depart today? Nope. I think things are shaping up very nicely. Oh, I think God, yeah. Next week, we're going to have answers to most questions. Yes, we are going to have a lot of answers, especially in regards to the Heisman and the college football playoff rankings. So, uh, yeah, interesting week ahead. Thank you to everyone who has joined us this evening on Twitch and on um, 
YouTube. Uh, I know Big Aries has been watching us on Twitch. You know, Grandizer, Crow, Micro Mike, everyone's dropped in with us on YouTube. Really appreciate you all uh, dropping in. So our next episodes, the main podcast tomorrow, Thursday, third of November, it'll be the Green Bay Packers preview and myself and ryan will be back in a week with the college pod uh, about the 9th of november we'll be reviewing week 10 we will be previewing week 11 and we're probably going to take a bit more of an in-depth look at the heisman runners and uh, riders because it'll be well in the air after this so thank you ever to, ever so much to everyone who has joined in just remains for me to go through all the socials uh, first thank hank thank ryan for the show, so you can find us everywhere: YouTube, Roar of the Lions UK, Twitch, ROTL underscore UK, Facebook, our page, Roar of the Lions UK, and our group, Detroit Lions Fans UK, One Pride Worldwide, Twitter, Instagram, ROTL underscore UK, and on the website, www.roarofthelionsuk.com. Weekly, weekly posts out. Uh, for our game previews from our writer Ash go check them out our own Matthew Turner has released a piece today about the TJ Hawkinson trade for the Detroit Lions is it genius, is it madness he explores that one and uh, yeah, go check them out, thank you ever so much to everyone who has joined us and it just remains for me to say, one prize